Man, is it that time already? Kick it! Whoa, what's the Greg Russell show? Get this party on the road. How fast can this light go? Whoa, yeah. Celebrity guests from the East Coast to the West. Who knows who he has next? At Greg Carrasco, trending Twitter like a bomb. Tens of thousands on his lawn. He's even followed by your mom. What? Broadcasting live. Here is your warning. The topics are flowing every Saturday morning. Car talk like Sherlock. The guy knows wheels like a Dow stock. Movie talk on a boardwalk. Shoot facts like a tomahawk. So entertaining. Turn up the station. There's no more waiting. The show is beginning. It's too late to escape. Let's go. Here's your host. What, 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 what is happening, Slackers? Slacker Nation is congregated once again, Saturday morning, beautiful day outside. I think it's above five degrees, and that brings happiness to my soul, Ken. This is, uh, this is unbelievable. Weather is just amazing outside. We thought a couple weeks ago might be the last chance for you to take your bike out for a spin, but if it stays like this... You'll have an opportunity to take it out later this afternoon. Get one uh, final ride in for the season. Uh, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> ah, uh, come on. Yeah, I, I, I have a chicken enough. with... <laughs> no, man. No, no. There's only one thing that I'm hardcore about, and that's riding in the cold is not one of them. I can guarantee you. But uh, thank you for listening to the Carrasco Show here with my friend Ken Stapen on TSN 1050. Um, for those of you that are just tuning in, this is Canada's largest automotive radio show. We do this for you. Uh, we try to have a look at the car industry, you know, more from a transactional standpoint, not from a mechanical standpoint. You know, cars are pretty boring for the most part. But um, we try to educate the consumer in ways for them not to waste money, not to get themselves into trouble, for you guys to be able to make decisions that will make sense to remove the emotion out of the whole process of buying a car and use your logic to buy a car, we got you. Got to remember that uh, salespeople and dealerships and the machine has been trained to get you excited about things that will make you spend money. And I think that cars are a giant waste of money, no matter which way you slice it. So, if you don't have to buy a car, don't. If you do, then you come and see me. Um, now we have to pay the bills, Ken. So we have to do this. Uh, I'm sorry, folks, but we have to do this. The uh, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity, Canada's uh, first and only, I believe, Nissan Infinity stores with no commission salespeople. We have taken a lead uh, when it comes to um, the the progressive aspect of the car industry. So if you're buying a vehicle today and you are choosing to pay commission, you are leaving money on the table. You don't have to do that anymore. Come and see us. Uh, all my staff there is they're all salary employees so whether you buy a $10,000 car or a $150,000 car the treatment is the exact same because they don't get paid commission so this is not an adversarial system they'll look after you no matter what um, don't forget that this weekend is Black Friday weekend and everybody is putting forward some crazy crazy offers and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my best attempt to surprise you today so if you're financing any brand new 2020 Nissan or Infiniti out of my stores, so this is Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infiniti, so if you're financing any new 2020 Nissan or Infiniti in stock, 
today or Monday. So this is uh, this expires on Monday at 8 p.m. Uh, and you have a trade-in. You come in today, you ask for this, and we will give you an additional $2,000 on your trade-in. So if your vehicle is worth $10,000, we will give you twelve. If your vehicle is worth $20,000, we'll give you twenty-two. So just remember this, that this is starting today and tomorrow. If you have already purchased a vehicle, this doesn't apply to you. If you purchase a vehicle and you have not taken delivery of the vehicle yet, this doesn't apply to you. This is for today and tomorrow. And the reason why I say this is because this offer is so crazy that it cannot be combined with anything else. It cannot be combined with any other discounts or rebates or uh, offers that are out there. This is this is a crazy straight up offer. So if you have a trade-in, you may want to go down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity today. You know, if you have a you know a Honda, a Toyota, a Hyundai, a Kia, a Mazda, and you have a trade-in value in mind, you might want to come down to my stores because for today and Monday, we are giving you an additional $2,000 on those vehicles. Now, that cannot be combined with anything else. That is a pretty aggressive offer, Ken. Now, on top of that, you know, if you have a trade-in and you're looking at buying a Nissan Kicks, uh, until the end of this month, which is Monday, you can get a brand new 2020 Nissan Kicks on a finance with $0 down for $59 a week plus tax. And uh, we will include, listen to this, we will include snow tires, three years worth of oil changes, and winter mats. That right there is the absolute best CUV deal in the entire province of Ontario. And if you have a trade-in, you can literally get out of the store paying virtually less than your coffee addiction. Now, if you're looking for a luxury SUV uh, and you're looking to get a, either Audi Q5, a BMW X3, an Acura RDX, or even a Lexus NX, uh, you have to keep your mind open and uh, come down and have a look at the, the all-new 2020 Infiniti QX50 that you can lease for $4.99 a month plus tax with only $39.50 down on a 27-month lease. That is the shortest lease that you can get right now on a mid-sized luxury SUV for that kind of payment. So that right there is also the absolute best value in the mid-size luxury SUV in the province of Ontario. Um, but today, Ken, we're going to leave the, uh, you know, the slacker number two. No, it's slacker number three. Money Mike is not coming in today. So we have three hours just for you. And uh, I challenge you to call the show and ask me a question that you may feel that uh, you don't have the answer for as it pertains to the car industry. Now, we will talk to you about anything really. You know, whatever it is that's in your heart, whatever is troubling you today, you're not alone. You can call me. I totally ask you to not take my advice on anything other than automotive. I promise you, you know, the rest, I'm still trying to figure my own stuff out. But when it comes to automotive, I will give you the straight goods. You may not like my answer, but that is absolutely okay. Do you agree with this, Ken? Yeah, it seems to be a pretty common theme. Uh, one thing that we were talking about before the show, and I have some questions about it, I think the listeners might as well, is car leases. Because okay. I think that oftentimes the consumer signs these contracts without realizing what they're getting into. Basically what you're doing is just renting a car for you know two or three years with not a lot of protection for yourself as the consumer for what happens to that vehicle. And oftentimes it leaves people on the hook without understanding what they're signing on to. Ken, I, I couldn't possibly explain to you 
how many times. This is not one or five or ten or a hundred times. This is more like 500, a thousand times in my 27 years in the car industry in which people come to me at the end of a lease and say, Greg, why am I getting this bill? And uh, I don't think that many people understand the whole concept of a lease and, and the reason why this is pushed forward by car manufacturers so aggressively to the regular consumer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post something to you here, Ken. If this was good for the manufacturer, okay, if, if this, I mean, if, if this was good for the consumer, if this would benefit the regular citizen, do you think the manufacturer would be doing it? Not likely. We talk about this all the time on this show. Ultimately, the manufacturer is in it to make money for themselves and in the manner where they can make the most money for themselves. And leasing seems to be the primary way that they're able to turn a profit. So, but look at it this way. I mean, I'm not against profit. Profit is not a is is not the enemy here. I mean, that's why you are in business. That's why you go to work. I mean, it doesn't matter where you work right now. If the company that you're working for is not making profit, guess what? You're out, you're out of not a job. Not be working for long. <laughs> yes, you're not going to be working there. So, you know, I, I that's not what I that's not what my beef is. My beef is is the lack of understanding that happens. You see, and I've said this many times before. And uh, you know, for for those of you that have been listening to the show for the last 13 years, I'm sorry. But it, I'm in a new network right now, and uh, it is my duty to educate all my listeners here for you not to make the same mistakes that people have made in the past. And this week alone, I have had at least four people that have called me saying, Greg, I have a bill. I returned my lease. I have a bill for $3,000, and I don't have the money to pay. Can you help me out? And the answer to that is no, I can't. I can't help you out. So I want to break this down quickly for the folks listening uh, at home right now or in the car. You see, the whole concept of a lease is, 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 is a figma of people's imagination. Lease is nothing more than another word for, the, for renting. So lease means renting. You are renting a place. You see, back in the days, when, whenever you rented a place, they would ask you for security deposits, right? You needed to give uh, you know, somebody one or two months worth of rent payments in order for them to cover any potential damages that you could have left on that apartment that you were living in, whether you scratch the the walls or the floors or the appliances or something happened, they will take this money off the security deposits that you will provide your renter. Now, when you rent a vehicle, it's not that much different. So for the purpose of this discussion, we will call a lease a rent. So whenever you rent a vehicle for one, two, three, four, five years, you are literally exposing yourself every single day that you come out onto the road to the uh, elements, whether it's stone chips, scratches, door dings, car washes, salt, dirt, um, you know, if you smoke, cigarette burns, uh, all these things are going to be assessed at the end of the lease. So this is what happens, folks. You lease a vehicle. The dealership tries to sell your lease and protection and, you know, naturally you are, you know, a cynic and you believe that they're trying to sell you this stuff just to make more money. And you're not wrong because every time somebody sells you something, they have to make a little bit of money in order for it to be a viable uh, enterprise. So that's okay. But when you, when you decline the lease and protection, Ken, this is what happens. At the end of the lease... Car manufacturers have gotten so smart about this, man. It's so, so smart. They have hired third-party companies 
that will do a general inspection on the vehicle that you're returning and whatever doesn't comply with the guidelines of normal wear and tear, guess what? Will be passed along to you and you will have to pay for it. On top of that, the vehicle must come back to the dealership in conditions that will pass the regular safety standards for the province of Ontario. So for example, if your tires are don't pass safety, guess what? You're on the hook for tires. If your brakes don't pass safety, guess what? You're on the hook for brakes. If you have a headlight that you took a stone ship on, and if you're driving a Mercedes, you all know that to buy an actual headlight casing is five, six, seven thousand dollars for a headlight. Seven grand? I'm not joking, man. You know, I, I went to see my uh, my pharmacist. I was I, I went to pick up a prescription a, a few weeks back, and my pharmacist says, "Greg, I'm returning the leads on my bands, and uh, I had a stone ship on a stone ship on the casing on my front headlight, and they're charging me six thousand five hundred dollars for it." My God, that's excessive. Uh, no, not really, man. You know, look at it this way: if you if if you're driving a Tesla right now and you have gotten into a fender bender on the highway and uh, you bumped up a quarter panel or a bumper, you're talking six, seven, eight thousand dollars. That's how much you're talking about. That so seems it, more feasible, though, for a quarter panel, which is a much more substantial part of the car. We're talking about a headlight. No, you're like, talking. Te- no way you're talking that, technology. It's you un- see, one, that's unreal to me that. Something as minute as the chip in the headlamp could end up costing you that much money. And that's all on you as oh, yeah. the person, who, like as the consumer who signed the lease. It's like that's on you to fix it. It just seems like such an arbitrary thing that could happen to anybody. And it's not necessarily the, it's not the consumer's fault at all. It's just you're driving down the highway, you get hit by a stone, you're following like the dump truck. And then next yep. thing you know, you're on the hook for it. And these are the you things are on- that people don't consider. You're on the hook for everything. You, the moment that you take possession of that vehicle from the dealership, regardless of the brand, the, you go onto the road, you are responsible for that car. And the fact that you, you think that you are so special, because this is the problem, right? People start thinking, oh, I'm special. You're not. You're not special at all. On the contrary, you are very, very trivial and common. So whatever happened to someone else, the chances are that it'll happen to you over the next 60, 80, or 100,000 kilometers. So, you know, people, they think that they're too smart. Oh, you know, I'm going to cancel everything. You know, they buy the extended warrant, uh, the, the the lease and protection, and then they go and talk to this, you know, infamous, the proverbial friend at home that says, oh, you know, they, they just sold you this stuff. Cancel it. You don't need it. Well, those people are not there when you get a three, four, five thousand dollar bill at the end because you happen to drive that vehicle, and, and this will happen. Now, if you, when you don't buy this, a lot of people say, "Oh, don't worry about it. The dealership will forgive it for me." Well, this is another misconception that happens all the time, Ken, because in the car industry, nothing is free. You know, if the vehicle has a two thousand dollar damage. Those $2,000 have to come from somewhere. Now, when the dealership says to you, don't worry, we'll waive it. No, 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 no. They don't waive it. They will include it in the cost of the next vehicle. And this is how they keep you stuck. So the moment that you get into a leasing cycle, it is very, very difficult for you to break this because the company, number one, they're going to try to get you out of that lease before your lease expires. And this is one of the things that Honda and Toyota are so good at. They never let people arrive to the end of the contractual obligation. So, for example, 
if if you get into a 48 month lease you i can guarantee you that that brand any one of those two brands will be calling you a year and a half before your lease is up for you to renew so you never get any farther ahead you're stuck on the cycle any negative equity will be built into the next payment and next thing you know you can never get out of it that's one of the reasons why i don't like leasing now you know, it, do I have it? Yes. Do I offer it? Yes, because it's, it's a tool that people have to buy their vehicles. And sometimes, you know, listen, people know better than me, man. I, what do you want me to? <laughs> what do you want me to do? This happens all the time. The car industry is one of those industries in which you can be doing it for thirty years. You know, sell fifty thousand cars, <laughs> and then people still think they know better than you. But nevertheless, so when this takes place you get yourself into a cycle that is virtually impossible for you to get out. So now the best way to have an insurance against all these unforeseeable circumstances, and I'm going to give you a list of some of the things that could go wrong with your vehicle. Um, rims and tires. If you blow up a tire, if you scratch your rims, and if you live in Canada, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some people that use it as a, as a normal parking technique when they hear this, and this scratching the other wheel against the curb. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm in the right spot right now. Is Are you one of those ones, uh, one of those guys, Ken? Unfortunately, we've discussed this before. I do have a bigger <laughs> vehicle, and where I live in East Toronto, really the only place to park is street the parking. Street. And they're much narrower streets where you can sort of only squeeze one car down the middle of the street at any given point in time. There's cars parked on both sides. So I really have to get probably about within two inches of the curb. If I don't get that close, then I'm going to have people sideswiping me as they're pulling through the, the laneway. So unfortunately, due to, the, due to that, I do have a little bit of a scratched up rim on the passenger side seat of my car just because I have to sort of back it in and make sure that I'm nice and tight on the curb. Well, and this is what happens. So if you if you were leasing this vehicle, which you aren't, you know, thankfully, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> you would be in big trouble because I, unlike what you may think, folks, whenever you buy OEM parts, which are the uh, the original factory equipment from the manufacturer, um, those parts are not inexpensive. I mean, a, a, an OEM set of wheels is going to cost you a thousand dollars, twelve hundred dollars for one wheel. So if you don't have rim and tire protection for your lease or at your lease end, you are literally just exposing yourself to unnecessary charges. And, you know, the, the, the problem is this, that if you don't protect the future self, if you don't protect your future self for the eventualities that something like this could happen, then you are going to be on the hook for all of this. Now, you got to remember this, and I've said this a million times, every insurance that you have every guarantee every warranty that you have is a complete waste of money until you need it and when you need it you're a genius so you know yeah you're taking a chance yes of course you are because you don't know if something is going to happen to the vehicle but the likelihood it is that if you are driving that vehicle for four years and you have it on the road for a hundred thousand kilometers the chances are that something will happen to it next is excess wear and tear so if the inside of your vehicle, if you burn the seat, if you have any door dings or scratches, and, and, and they are inevitable, you go to the superstore, you go to the grocery store, you know, some buffoon is going to let that shopping cart slide into your car, or you're going to park too close to someone at the mall, they're going to open the door, boom, 
You get a door ding. Guess what? You're on the hook. How much money does it cost to repair a door ding? It all depends on the size. You can go from $300 to $1,000 depending on where it is. And, and often, you know, Murphy shows up traditionally. And Murphy's Law says that when something can go wrong, guess what? It will go wrong. Then you, let's say that you're one of those people that really love taking care of their vehicles. So you take it to the car wash, but you don't take it to the Toshlet car wash. You take it to the regular car wash with the brushes. And then this thing does a number on you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Those the worst, aren't they? They're terrible. They're terrible. So you do this. And you, you, and, and the, the inspection company can prove that this is excess wear and tear on your paint. Guess what? You are paying for this. So this vehicle has to comply with all the minimal standards of normal wear and tear. And on top of this, we're talking about the safety standards. So if that vehicle is put through the shop and there is anything within it, whether it's lights, whether it's tires, whether it's brakes, or anything that has to do with the safety standards according to the province of Ontario, guess what? You are paying for it. And last but not least, kilometers. Whenever you rent a vehicle, you go on vacation, you rent a vehicle. You can rent a limited kilometers, which unfortunately is not a thing when you lease a car. Or you can buy an X number of kilometers. With leases, often people underestimate the amount of traveling they will be doing. And they buy 16,000 kilometers a year because they think, ah, you know, I'm not going to drive as much or I'm going to drive my wife's or my husband's car. And then we're going to keep the kilometers low. Why? Because at that point, the payments are very low. So they underbuy kilometers. What they don't know is the following. That when you buy the kilometers up front, they are cheaper than when you, you, you pay them as a penalty. So if you buy them up front, you can pay 10, 12, 15 cents per kilometer. But then when you return the vehicle, those kilometers are not 10, 12, 15 cents per kilometer. They're 20, 23, and 25 cents per kilometer plus tax. So now, not only you are paying more, but you are literally compounding the amount of money that you were responsible at the end of the lease in order for you to cut the ties with whatever manufacturer you happen to be renting a vehicle from. That's a pretty so, quick too, right? Like when you consider that, you're basically saying that that's $1,000 if you go 4,000 kilometers over whatever, yes. you, whatever you thought that you were going to have beforehand. And that's so easy to do. 4,000 kilometers is nothing. It's your commute to work. It's driving the kids to soccer practice. It adds up quickly. Dude, I mean, if you, if you extrapolate that and, and you annualize that figure, let's say that you drive an additional 300 or 400 kilometers a month more than what you are allowed to. You know, and you do that over five years. Imagine the amount of money that you have to pay up front. You're talking two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 in additional kilometers. And at that point, it's when you're stuck. Because now you have to buy that same brand no matter what because they're going to roll that deficiency into the next payment. And that is a big problem, folks. So the moral of the story before we go to a small break, and again, if you have any questions in relation to this, you can call us at 416-870-1050. We are Canada's largest automotive radio show. So the moral of the story is this. If you're renting a vehicle, a.k.a. leasing, do not, under any circumstance, leave that dealership. You don't even have to buy it from me. I don't care. It doesn't matter what you're leasing, especially if you're buying luxury cars. And I, I'm going to repeat this. Especially 
if you buy in luxury cars, do not, under any circumstance, folks, leave that dealership without your lease and protection. You are exposing yourself to be stuck into a huge bill at the end of your term, and that is the last thing that you want. Surprises are not a good thing when it comes to the car industry. So, folks, we're going to take a small break. Greg, I'm just going to jump in here quick. Let's uh, actually hit the phone lines before we go to break here. We have Lucas from Hamilton. Lucas, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Lucas, what's up? Hey, Greg. How are you doing? I'm excellent. How can we help? Um, I I, I did cut a bit of wind on your uh, last podcast and, um, you know, piqued my interest. Just uh, sound like, um, you know, you're a concerned citizen, just like a lot of people are right now, um, you know, about the the current situation we're all facing, uh, you know, and there's... You know, there's some people who are wanting to, you know, maybe get a little more info, question kind of what's happening, are we making the right decision? So, um, you know, I'm just, I, I would love to continue that conversation with you if that's something that uh, you'd like to talk a little bit more about this week. You know, there's been some big developments uh, in our own backyard about that, about, you know, people just trying to, um, you know, keep their livelihood going, um, provide for their families, and, you know, they were met with the proverbial iron fist so I was, I was curious to hear your thoughts on that and you know what you've picked up uh, since your last podcast about uh, you know the whole situation well you know this is this is the interesting thing uh, Lucas that unfortunately you know, we live in a society in which you know especially people that are in a position of responsibility and, and by that I mean someone that is standing in front of the microphone like myself that we're reaching thousands of people here if we say anything that doesn't fall within the narrative of what the the system wants us to tell you know we're very quickly cancelled so I have to tread very lightly on this so I want to try to give you as honest of an opinion as I can without putting you know this platform in jeopardy and does that make sense to you? Yeah, I completely understand. You know, we all have to, like you said, you, have to look, you just said yourself, we had to look after our future self, right? So Yeah, totally of course. Understand. So look at it this way. I am, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you call me to ask me about this because on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to have a bunch of business owners uh, that are friends of mine that I've known for years and uh, that their livelihood is in danger. And um, I, I don't think that it's easy to say to someone, you know, shut it down and, and to vilify somebody that is trying to make a stand. Uh, if, you know, it's, it's easy to vilify them, but often we look at it through our own eyes. Uh, you know, what happened in the media this week, and we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break, was, was an embarrassment. The way that this guy's been treated is not something that, that anyone deserves. And, and I had a situation at my work um, that I will explain and I'm going to try to do whatever I can to to make sure that I <laughs> that I don't get myself in trouble Ken and this is a uh, <laughs> it's, a it's a touchy subject you it's, it it's a very it's a very touchy Hard subject to but Lucas I want you to do me a favor stay on the line and uh, we're going to take a small break because I need to catch my breath I've been talking for almost half hour now and um, we're going to be addressing what's happening in the city and uh, the phone lines are open folks 416-870-1050 is the phone number this is Canada's largest automotive radio show but uh, we talk about whatever you want to talk about we'll be right back after the break and we are back this is the Greg Carrasco show Canada's largest automotive radio show here with my friend Ken Stapen we seem to have touched a nerve the phone lines have lit up 416-870-1050 um, this is a, this is an automotive show but guess what we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about today the show is for you about you for you this is where we discuss whatever is happening out there. This is where we discuss whatever is going on in your mind. Uh, Lucas, thank you so much for the phone call, man. And I, I wanted to address this quickly with you. Um, you know, one of, uh, I guess one of my um, 
the people that I look up to when it comes to economics and whatnot. His name is Milton Friedman. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize of um, economics, I think it was in 1968. And he said, if you think that you live in a free society, try not paying your taxes and see what happens to you. And uh, it, you know, it's interesting what's happening right now because I don't think that anyone that owns a business right now could potentially or could possibly be okay with what is taking place. Uh, this has never been seen before in which the, the government uh, is pushing businesses to shut down uh, under the pretext that is better for the citizens. I mean, when in the history of the world, the, the government has been in the business of doing what's best for the citizens. So, you know, this, this past week, Lucas, at the store, we, we had a gentleman uh, who is an outstanding citizen. He is a great customer of the store. And uh, he didn't want to wear his mask or he was exempt from wearing the mask. Um, I was called and a couple of people that were in the service area complained that there was somebody there without a mask. And uh, I had to go and ask him if he could please put a mask on. I gave him a mask. He didn't want to and I don't disagree with him. I offered to give him a vehicle for him to wait outside so he didn't have to be in the cold and I, and I would fumigate the vehicle and sanitize it so the vehicle was safe for him to wait in. He didn't want to do it. So I had to call the bylaw officers to come down to the store. Are you there, Lucas? Yes, I am. So, you know, it was a terrible thing. This is turning friends against friends and it's turning, you know, businesses against their customers. And, you know, in principle, I don't disagree with them. But unfortunately, you know, my job as the representative of the company is to make the company a safe, harmonious working environment for the people that do business with me and the people that work for me. And unfortunately, I had to do something that I did not want to do. And um, this is an interesting paradox because, uh, you know, he eventually he left the store and uh, you know his car was already ready and we looked after him but i ended up calling him a couple of days later to make sure that he was okay because that's that's not the way that we should be treating each other and unfortunately if you disagree with the narrative right now you are exposing yourself to grave danger do, do you disagree with this lucas no i agree with you 100 percent. now i just wanted to mention too i really appreciate you um you know Stepping out on the ledge a little bit to, you know, have, a, you know, using your forum as an opportunity for people to have this discussion because there's not a lot of places where, as you just mentioned, you can't even have these type of discussions for fear of some sort of retribution, whether it's from your friends, your family, maybe even your neighbors. You know, they have these snitch lines, as they call them. Um, you know, it's a very touchy subject. And, and I agree with you that um, there are grave, you know, re repercussions for, for people for, um, you know, who want to choose to exercise, you know, essentially charter rights, you know, freedom um, to assemble even. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a few different areas where, you know, those rights are, are being denied in, in a free society. So I 100% agree with um, what you're saying there. It's, you know, it's you know I, I strongly encourage you to uh, you know to uh, stay tuned because we're going to have a bunch of business owners owners that are coming on the show, and uh, we're going to be discussing this uh, as a forum, and uh, we will address some of this. Thank you so much for the phone call, Lucas, and I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to answer Scott's question about leasing very quickly, and then we're going to move on to some of my guests. I have um, Dennis Dorish, an owner of uh, Full Metal CrossFit. I have um, Marcia Nunes, my professor at the, my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, school, uh, Daniel Thiessen, owner of Radix Performance in Oakville and a stand-up citizen, and Alex Siberi, the owner of uh, Element CrossFit. They're going to be joining me in just a couple of minutes, and uh, we, um, we're going to carry on with this conversation a little bit longer, but let's answer what Scott wants to know. Scott, thank you for calling the show. Hey, good morning, Greg. How are you? 
I'm very well, thank you. Can you turn the radio down because I'm hearing my echo there, uh, Scott? Um, ask away. Sorry about that. You know, better now? Yes, of course. Okay. So uh, I guess first I'd start, like to start off with is that uh, I totally agree with you on every all the points you made regarding leasing. Um, I guess I would counter it with what is the alternative. And I say the, that because, uh, like yourself, I've been in the industry for many, many years, and I've made a study of this. And, you know, the alternative is either I'm going to drive this vehicle forever into the ground, and certainly you're able to do it, but in reality, people do not. Um, so I'll, I'll throw a few stats at you. If you were to take uh, one manufacturer, for example, a four-year yep. lease payment is roughly equivalent to an 84-month finance payment. That's correct. And that person, at, and, and that person at 48 months says, I don't want to do that uh, lease. Uh, sorry, the, the finance customer says, I don't want to do that because I want to own my vehicle. Well, it's 40 months, 48 months into that 84-month term. They are in a negative equity situation. If you look at amortization schedule compared to a black book value, they're, they're upside down. So they don't own it anymore. If, mm -hmm. they, if we say, well, you're going to get dinged when that customer brings the vehicle back because uh, the tires are bald, yes, they will. However, if you're driving on bald tires at 48 months and you've got 100K on it, you, you're going to need to replace your tires. So it's, it's very similar. And if you look at a lot of the J.D. Power stats, over a third of trade-ins these days have negative equity. And over, I think it's 56, 57 percent of loans are. But you see, you know, here, here is something that I, I need to, I need to jump in and say this here. You know, the, the problem is this that the term negative equity doesn't exist. You see, the only reason why this is a thing is because people choose to break in contracts before the term expires. It's the same thing that, um, you know, uh, spousal support. You know, spousal support is not a thing unless you get divorced. So, you know, the, the fact that there is such a thing as negative equity is because people have been conditioned to be uncomfortable with what they have the reality is this uh, Scott that if we if you if you start living your life as you know during the depression and you kept your things and you maintained it and you kept it for a long time there is no reason why that vehicle shouldn't last you 10 12 years the problem is this that people have been bamboozled into thinking that they need something new because it's always uh, it's about the insecurity oh I need something new therefore I need to buy this before my contract expires would you disagree with that I don't disagree with it, but I guess you have to look at the the other option as well. Is that you know there are advances in fuel efficiency and safety. I mean, to, for somebody to have pre-collision systems and blind spot monitoring and lane departure, all these things that protect people, save lives. The gap, the fuel efficiency difference from a vehicle seven years ago to today is it's a huge difference. And yes, but you see, if you if you look at vehicles today, I mean, when when you look at uh, fuel efficiency, when you look at emissions and whatnot, the, the vehicles are so efficient today, uh, Scott, that the, the the differences now are marginal. Now, uh, if you buy a vehicle today, you know you are going to have unless you go fully electric, you're going to have a very tough time improving those efficiencies in a significant way. So all I'm suggesting to people is this: the longer you keep the vehicle, the smaller your your monthly cost of ownership will be. The problem is that if you keep it for two, three, four years, that is as expensive as it's going to be. But Scotty, I, you know, I may want to call you on the other side of the hour, but I need to, I need to get to my guest. Thank you so much for calling the show, man. I appreciate your points. But um, who do we have on the line there, Ken? Uh, let's go to Dennis. Dennis, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. <laughs> Dennis. Yeah, how you doing, Greg? Oh, man. You know, it's, uh, we, we open a can of worms this one. If you can turn the radio down because I hear an echo would be awesome, uh, Dennis, there. Um, the, 
I still hear the echo, Ken. I don't. Is there anything we can do about that? Yeah, it should be fine. Just uh, we'll get into Dennis's question. We'll just control his mic. Yeah, uh, Dennis, the um, how are you holding up, man? Because uh, you know, Dennis bought this gym from me a few years back, and it's Full Metal CrossFit in the city of Mississauga. And I know that you guys have done a tremendous job when it comes to controlling the flow of people, uh, complying with all the guidelines that you have. And uh, how are you holding up during this, um, during the lock, this, you know, the third or fourth lockdown now? Yeah, it's the uh, it's the third lockdown now. It's uh, definitely been an interesting year. Um, been closed or forced to shut down seven months of that year. Um, so, you know, I try to make all the noise I can to talk to the, you know different government levels. To my main question is, how do I operate within your guidelines? The only option shouldn't be to shut down. It's how can I operate safely? And you never get an answer. It's like, oh, have you have our, do you have access to our funds? Do you have access to our subsidies? I'm like, I don't, I don't want that. I want to run my business and I want to run it safely. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not, we're never, we're given you know, not that answer or different answers depending on when you call. So it's been a challenge. I mean, the first shutdown, I lost about 40% of my members, came out guns blazing this after the, we reopened, shut down again, lost another 40% of those remaining members, and now two weeks and shut down again. So where I come out of this one, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, wait and see what happens over 28 days. You know, what are your thoughts on this uh, uh, barbecue place in Etobicoke and what took place there? I mean, what is, what is your view on it? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't agree with the way he went about it because I think he's going kind of over and above of um, making this big statement. Mind you, I would like to have a GoFundMe page for me, but uh, um, I think taking a stand the proper way, I think it makes sense to, to say, you know what, we, someone needs to make noise to say, shutting down point blank or across the board isn't the answer it may have been the answer back in march because this was unknown we've had Mm -hmm. now almost a full year to kind of research and understand and you know uh, we keep hearing data-based decisions but we don't see that data-based action Um, well if you know where problems are happening hit those areas hit those specific areas not a blanket lockdown and not a blanket blanket lockdown in industries that aren't impacting um the the spread now we're shown that gyms and, and, and sports teams combined in peel uh, accounted for 3% of the infection rate. Yet we were, we were isolated between restaurants and gyms. We were, you know, highlighted as the main cause in the second shutdown. We you know, somebody posted, a, somebody posted a picture on my Facebook account this morning about the lineups outside Best Buy and in Walmart. And uh, I, I, I don't comprehend this. I don't know how the, the big box uh, retailers have been allowed to stay open. And meanwhile, the local business owner, the, the, the small empresario, the guys that are cashing in their, uh, their retirement monies to open up a business, to, you know, to have a dream and push it forward to the community, are getting shut down. I mean, how are you dealing with this mentally because I, I couldn't possibly imagine Dennis what you're going through right now well as a perfect example um, during the second shutdown I had to go pick up something at uh, square one shopping center one of my favorite places to not go um, and I was I was floored um, it was wall-to-wall people within that mall the parking lot was packed the mall was packed and I was uh, I was saying out loud I was walking through and saying how is this safer than my gym my gym I control the amount of people coming in um, everyone has contact tracing. Everyone has to do a health screening. Everyone is socially distanced. Everyone has a mask until they work out. Um, that's all controlled. In this environment, I was wall-to-wall with people. But yet they've they're been able to stay open the entire time. And I don't, I don't understand that. How is that an essential service compared to what I do? 
So the, the question that I have for you, and this is something that I'm going to ask to every one of my friends that are coming on the show, and, and I felt duty-bound to, you know, to have you guys on the show this morning because I am involved with you guys in one way or another, and I, and I feel this. I've been in the fitness industry for a very, very long time, and uh, I, I, how can people help? How can people get engaged with your gym, Dennis, right now, and uh, what, what is the best way to find you? I mean, even through this shutdown, we do have some kind of online coaching options. We do have um, our nutrition um, program, which we built up quite heavily this year. Um, it doesn't require a physical location. Nutrition is huge, part of your fitness. Um, yeah. So you can get a hold of me at, uh, um, at fullmetalcrossfit.com through our website, um, through email at info at fullmetalcrossfit.com, um, or old school with the phone is 905-212-1102. Um, so we do have some online offerings. Um, at the moment, um, what we can do. And I know the customers are out there because every time we reopen, people are, are itching to get back in the gym and itching to kind of get of course. deal with the stress they're dealing with and dealing with that, the, the mental health aspect of it. Um, you know, seeing some of my members who are literally in tears because this is the one spot they could come to um, to deal with life's pressures and kind of just blow off steam for an hour. Uh, and then, now that's gone. You know, it's been gone for most of the year. It's The, real, the impact isn't just lifting weights and, uh, you know, getting all swole. That's actually that mental health aspect is is so overlooked. That is something that is it's, it's overlooked and a miss. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's talking about so, the government is important, yet they ignore it. They, I really thank you for making the phone call this morning, Dennis. And, uh, you know, th this show is available to you whenever you feel like calling and you want to share something with my audience, by all means. That is my friend Dennis Doris, and he's the owner of Full Metal CrossFit in Mississauga. Folks, if you live within that area, look them up. You know, he, he purchased my gym, and uh, he's the new owner. They're, him and his wife, Rachel, they're amazing owners, and that, that community is thriving, supporting. Thank you, Dennis. Uh, we also have Marcio on the line. Marcio, thank you for calling the show, man. No problem, man. My pleasure to be here. <laughs> Marcio is, uh, you know, he's quite possibly one of the two most dangerous people that I know on the entire planet. He's, uh, he's my professor at the uh, at my jiu-jitsu school. How are you, Marcio? I'm doing great. How are you, Craig? You know, I'm here. Thank you. I, I got a small promotion. The, uh, it, you know, which is for me uh, is, is huge uh, in, my, uh, in the last belt ceremony. And uh, it just means that I suck less. <laughs> That's what I was telling <laughs> Ken earlier. <laughs> uh, you know, Marcio, as, a, as the owner of a martial arts school, you know, what are some of the precautions that you are taking, uh, that you're doing at, at the gym in order to keep this safe? It's pretty much, Greg, educate people, right? Educate the students. To, to maintain the social distance, use the mask, any symptoms, stay home, right? Any, like, flu symptoms, don't mess with them. Stay home. And here at the gym, we, we take the temperature, we track who is coming. We have the, the survey that every time you come to the gym, you have to do in order to step in the mats, right? So we've been open since July 20th, and every day we educate people, right, to... Stay on top of the health, right? Any symptoms, stay home. And we are lucky to never have any cases here in the gym. And just a blast, right? Well, I mean, based on the statistic that Dennis was mentioning earlier, uh, less than 3% in the city of Peel are, you know, are cases that are coming from the gym and fitness industry. But I can tell you through personal experience that every time I step on the gym, number one, the change rooms are closed. Uh, we need to do a pre-screening. Uh, we need to show up with a mask. We, the temperature is taken. We need to wear the mask while we're inside. And uh, all we do is drilling. But you know, I can tell you that jujitsu for me is, 
is the, the absolute number one thing that I do to keep my mind sane because uh, the, the world has gone nuts. And uh, I, I, I think that is, is something very, very important that has been overlooked. But Marcio, I want you to stay on the line because we need to take a very, very small break. And uh, I want to ask you how important and essential jujitsu is and should be in people's lives. You know, I want you to answer that question immediately after the break. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, folks. We are Canada's largest automotive show with Ken Stapen here. And uh, we'll take a small break. We'll be right back. And we're back. Slacker Nation congregates here on every Saturday morning on TSN 1050. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show with my friend Ken Stapen here. And we, um, although we address automotive as the, uh, the main topic of the show and sometimes is wealth with Money Mike, um, we leave it open for all sorts of different things that are going on around the city and that affect friends and family and businesses that, uh, that we are associated with. Um, with us on the line, we have my professor at my jiu-jitsu school, Marcia Nunes. Um, Marcia, where can people find you? What is, the, uh, what is the website? What is the phone number? So our phone number is phone, uh, 905-333-5487. The website is www.mnunesbjj.com. We are in Burlington, so so this is uh, this is awesome. Now you know I want you to elaborate a little bit uh, on 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 how essential jujitsu or you know the whole concept of physical activity should be in everybody's lives. Because you know, speaking from my own opinion, I leave all my aggressions and my frustrations and all my inadequacies, I leave them on the mat. Uh, I, I, I go and do jiu-jitsu because I want to be humble and I want to be a better person. But uh, I, I think that this is something that is severely overlooked by all the people that are shutting down all these fitness facilities right now. Marcio, can you speak of that for a little bit? Yeah, I think like a lot of the, even the kids, right? I'm talking about kids, adults. A lot of, a, a lot of the, the, the office still closed, right? So people spend like 24 hours, seven days a week inside the house. Without like uh, a place or or a hobby to to do it to steam to get that anxiety that anger right because you stay home you like we all locked down right and and is scared and afraid to do things so it's really important to not just jujitsu Greg any activity you should put your mind in something at least for one hour a day that you're not thinking about the problems or the things that you have to do and just. And just stick to that, like, and you you see how how you're gonna help improve your your life, right? Because your state of mind, this, for sure. Yeah, all this problems that we're going through, right? So that's pretty much. I, I'm telling you, because even myself, I was so 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 caught up with with the business and tried to find a ways of of make this still alive, and and I wasn't I was neglecting even. Jiu-Jitsu was my hobby, right, Greg? And now it's yeah. become it's become your life, <laughs> right? My life. So I even for me, I need to stop and take one hour and do something. Go for a walk, go for a jog, and you know, and be able to release that stress, anxiety that build up all these problems that we're going through, right? Well, I uh, I can tell you that uh, I really appreciate the fact that the school is still open. I appreciate the fact that although as uncomfortable as all this, uh, the the safety protocols are, they are absolutely necessary. And uh, you are as strict as they come to the point, you know, it's, it's insane how strict you are. But, you know, I understand it because uh, the, the responsibility for you guys and business owners is so huge that if anything happens, you don't want to be <laughs> you don't want to be the person 
or you want to be the gym that actually has a case and and then everybody else suffers correct yeah it's not just for that i don't want to be the guy right to be responsible and, and someone gets sick you know and someone you know and it die or worst case scenario and then be associated oh i got COVID from mars's gym right so i want to make sure you know people come here enjoy you have fun and we we need to be safe right and so i don't want to be that guy right oh you went to that gym right oh the gym of that guy you know got COVID. yeah i don't want that right so i need to be on top of the restrictions and and make sure that everybody complies to you educate the students right to to take their own precautions right to stay on top of you know their own health right and then everything's going to be all right right you know listen marcio i have uh, you know from uh, from the bottom of my heart i thank you for uh, putting up with me because not many people put up with me uh, over the years <laughs> uh but uh, you know thank you so much for uh, you know for doing what you guys do there for keeping all the students safe and uh, you know just keep the uh, the positive outlook and and this and hopefully uh, the the lockdowns will not be expanded into other areas and uh, again thank you so much for calling the show folks that is marcio nunes the uh, my professor at uh, marcio nunes brazilian jiu jitsu in burlington if you haven't checked that out you probably should it's the absolute best decision that I've ever made in my life to join a jiu-jitsu academy. Marcio, thank you so much for calling, man. Is Marcio gone? Yeah, yeah, we love yeah, Marcio. Is, is Marcio gone. But we have uh, Alex Siberia on the line. Alex, are you there? I am here. How are you, Greg? <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know, sorry for making you wait for so long. I mean, it seems Not like we've opened a, we opened a can of worms this morning, and uh, uh, the show that we had last week has resonated across the city, and I got a bunch of phone calls and emails in support of of the healthy discussion that we had. And you know, I I had the situation that I don't know if you were listening to when I explained about a customer of ours that didn't want to wear the mask, and it put me in a really, you know, I. I I was sad, man. I, I, I was sad for this because, uh, you know, I, in principle, I don't disagree with what he's doing. But unfortunately, uh, we are forced to, to do things that, uh, you know, to comply with the bylaws. And if you don't, you're going to get shut down. You, you're going to be jailed. And again, as a business owner, you, you need to be, you are responsible for the well-being of everybody that is in touch with your, with your organization. So how has this, this week been for you? Uh, it's been difficult. Uh, I was listening to a little bit like what Dennis was saying and, you know, my heart breaks. Um, and it's strange because I'm going through it as well. Um, you know, I'm just as much in the mix as he is, but to hear, um, you know, to hear, it, uh, coming in from someone else's mouth, it just, it just it crushes me even more than just if it's, you know, me on my own. It's difficult because, you know, we're all operating businesses that rely on the foot traffic of human beings coming in. And kind of to Dennis's point is like, all we're asking for is like, how can we operate safely? And the government essentially said, it's not possible. What they're saying with their policy, it's actually not possible to operate safely in this manner because of what's going on. But you can have the malls can be stacked full of people. You know, I can drive a kilometer and a half down the street and that's a different region that's open. You know, Black Friday sales are going crazy and it's frustrating because to Dennis's point again, like, you know, we just want, tell us how to operate safely. We'll jump through all the hoops. We'll make sure people wear masks. We'll do everything properly. And it doesn't seem to matter, you know. What, how do you attribute this lack of communication? Because I think that, I mean, the first time that the, the, the city shut down, fine. Nobody knew what was going on. But we have had six, seven, eight months now to understand what we need to do. And uh, we still don't have predefined guidelines as to what it is exactly that we can do to make our businesses safer. 
that's totally the, and honestly, I'm at a loss. And it, it, I guess, you know, looking at people and other business owners, when you see they're saying that they've lost faith in our government, I totally get where it's coming from. Because if you look at the amount of guidance that they provided to us when we were able to open back up, and I think it was like the first week of August, it was abysmal. I had to go dig through, you know, between the city of Toronto, city of Mississauga, where my business is located, city of Ontario, some some actual American sites, to be honest, to find different data on. And there was no guidelines on how to open or operate. You know, we decided to go with about four meters of space between people. Yeah. Um, not the recommended two. And that was just from stuff that I figured. And I was like, you know, just to your point where you were talking to your um, to your uh, jujitsu uh uh, uh, professor professor yeah uh, how like you know you don't want to be the gym that has it has a case there that's a hundred percent all small business owners are incentivized to to make sure that they operate a safe business because they know if they are irresponsible that's that could be the end of their business and you have all these other big places like the amazon warehouse doesn't have to report their number of cases right but you have one place have an outbreak it's a small business it's all over the media like they were irresponsible or bad it's a completely, you know, it's a, it's a two-tier system and it's difficult because, you know, you have people who are opening small businesses with their life savings and are really passionate about helping people, especially in the health and fitness industry. And the government's basically saying this is not possible to operate safely. It's too dangerous, but we know that to be factually incorrect. And that's the frustration. You know, I, I, can, I can speak from personal opinion, Alex, on this because I have known Doc Ford for many, many, many years and he has always been a friend of, of my radio show. He calls in. I mean, during the first uh, outbreak of this, we, we, uh, we, together with the TADA, we were able to provide some mask and whatnot and he came on the studio but uh, you know as uh, as the premier and it, there must be a really tough position man, because you can't make everyone happy so what what do you ask you know Doug for right now uh, on the show because you know most likely he's going to call us within the next you know couple of weeks what do you ask of him because I mean, look I mean nobody no politician wants to be responsible for anyone dying you know what I mean Correct. and from that from that part I understand it so it's a difficult position that our politicians are in because you know, like Kierkegaard said, you know, do it or don't do it. You're going to regret both. So yeah. what do you ask from the government? I, and I totally, to your point, I, I appreciate how difficult it is for them because the media screws them one way or the other. You know, they're pitting this. Um, they're making this be, you know, it's either lives over e economy. Um, but that's, that's a false dichotomy, in my opinion. It's not one or the other. There are ways absolutely to safely is. manage both. Um, and I think that's a cop out that everyone's kind of feeding into. And to me, the largest part would be like, follow the data, be transparent with your data making decisions, because I, I can tell you right now, every gym owner that you've had call in in that circle, of all, I've met almost all of them. Um, and every gym owner I know, if you could prove that gyms were responsible for 50% of the spread, they would all voluntarily close. We're not in the business of making people sick or putting profits over lives. I can tell you, talk to any gym owner, it's not the most profitable, lucrative, it's not investment banking. People do this to make a difference in people's lives. So what I would ask the government is to work with industries, bring on some advisors, and figure out how they can operate safely. There is a way. We've all experienced it. Why are we not learning from places that do have outbreaks like that spin studio in Hamilton and say, hey, what did they do? What contributed to this? How can we adjust our policies going forward so that all our fitness places are safer going forward instead of having these blanket, to me, lazy policies where you say 10 people in a gym. That's absolutely lazy. That's not a way of, you don't develop fire capacity that way. You don't put capacity for malls that way, you know, but gyms are 10 people, but um, grocery stores are like, you go to the LCBO, it's 25%. And you go to LCBO, it's like, oh, this place can have 130 people inside. <laughs> but you, you know, your gym is, is, is larger than most LCBOs. So, so how does yeah. that make any sense? 
Correct. And we have 25 foot ceilings, right? So the thing is, and I really feel the problem is, and I, and I don't think that they need to know the nuances of every possible gym scenario. And I get there's different sizes. There's small, there's big, there's high ceilings, there's low ceilings. But this is why some sort of a flexible policy that takes into account square footage or cubic meters of air or something that you can actually do to make and to help people operate safely. The small business owners just want guidance and are getting nothing. And when they do their best effort, honest to God, best effort, every business owner I know has not only lost tens of thousands of dollars, but has spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to make it safer just to have the government turn around and say, sorry, you're closed. You know, uh, all I can say, uh, Alex, is that, you know, keep on the good fight. This platform is open to you whenever you need to share something. If there is something that we can do that we, we can ask the audience to help out, uh, you are welcome to call here any Saturday that I'm on air. Where can people find you, Alex? Uh, people can find me at uh, our gym website is www.element.fit.fit. Um, and um, you can find us on all social as well the same way. Um, and I guess the only thing I would add to that would be um, ways that you can support if you have been or are a member at some small gym that's been forced to close or even operating, you know, with restrictions. I'd encourage everyone to, you know, support them. Uh, you can buy some gear, a T-shirt, even better right now. A lot of gyms are running Black Friday sales. Buy a pass for when they open up again or something because for these small businesses, cash flow is king. The government supports coming in, you know, four, six, eight weeks later. If you really want them to survive to be on the other side of this, they'll work hard. They'll, they'll give you personal training sessions when they're open again, but see if you can help them out, support them. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I really hope that uh, we can all see this through on the other side. And uh, once again, thank you, Alex Sibieri from Element CrossFit. Thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. Uh, I'm sure that we'll be talking very soon. We, we also have Daniel on the line. Uh, Daniel, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Greg. How's it going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well... Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to shed a little bit of light, and uh, you know, for for those of you that are just tuning in, folks, um, you know, this is uh, this is the Greg Carrasco show. Traditionally, we are automotive show. We are you know the largest automotive radio show in the country, and uh, Ken and I here come to you every Saturday discussing topics that are affecting the people within the GTA. And today, a bunch of people that I know personally um, are calling in the show, and uh, because I've been involved in the fitness industry for so long, I felt that it was necessary for people to see and hear it firsthand of what this is doing uh, to small businesses around uh, Ontario and across the country is is creating havoc. And Dennis is, uh, Daniel is the owner of Radix Performance in, in Oakville, and uh, you know probably one of the best uh, you know, personal training gym facilities uh, in, in Oakville. And uh, how are you handling this, Daniel? Because I know that uh, uh, you've been working with your brother for a little bit. Uh, talk to me a little bit. What's going on at your gym? Well, we're, uh, we're lucky in the fact that we are still open. So, um, you know, that little border between Oakville and Mississauga has allowed us to have 10-person classes, which is, you know, a blessing in itself at this stage, to be honest with you. Uh, I feel for Alex and Dennis and having to do the whole um, shutdown thing all over again. It's just, it's mentally and physically draining, man. Uh, honestly, I've never been so mentally and physically tired in my life. And I've done a lot of crazy stuff in my life. So oh, I, I know. That, <laughs> I think that gives you an idea. Like I've been, it's been a testing, a testing year, Greg. I don't know. Yeah. Now, how are you doing classes virtually? Uh, do you have yeah. a, f a few members in that are coming in? Because I know that you, you have to comply with that certain number of people here in Halton, right? 
Yeah, so we have 10-person classes, and um, we kind of are running classes, like, all day long just to make sure that uh, nobody's missing out on the opportunity to work out or getting waitlisted. Um, but it it's us to, honestly, what we can do and how the business runs because – 10 people classes and you say you run seven classes a day, it limits the amount of people that can come in, um, which doesn't allow us to really grow or get back to nearly what we were doing before. Like if I told you the numbers, just, it, it you know, it's just sad. It just makes me sad to be honest with you. Um, and uh, how can people get involved in, in help Radix performance here in Oakville? What, uh, where can people find you? Uh, yeah. Uh, so Danny? I'm on, yeah. I'm uh, at 427 Spears road. Uh, you can call at 905-691-7190. I'd be happy to talk to you myself. And you can find us on the Internet at uh, radixperformance.com. Uh, yeah, or any social media platform with Radix Gym. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to to talk anything that I can help you with in the fitness nutrition world. That's all I love to do, man. Well, I and I know how, you know, the type of people that all of you guys are. And uh, all I can say is that just a bunch of stand-up citizens. And uh, uh, I can see all of you pouring your heart and your life into your businesses that are now are being desecrated by what's going on. And, and we need to have some light and guidance at the end of the tunnel. So, you know, Daniel, like I said to Alex, uh, Dennis, and Marcio, this, this show is a platform for you. If you one day you have an offer that you want to pass along to the listeners in, in the town of Oakville, by all means, you can call the show anytime. And uh, we we will try to support him whichever way we can. Mm-hmm. No, I, I appreciate it, Greg. I miss I miss coming down and physically being in the show. You know, uh, it's just it's weird time. So everybody's trying to make the best of uh, horrible situations, right? Um, but I think the people that take the time every day to do something for themselves, like go to the gym or do a home workout, are going to be way better off because after the first lockdown. The amount of people that I saw afterwards who were just, you know, really like let themselves go over a small period of time and what that can do to you physically and mentally, it's not worth it. It's so terrible. Whether, yeah, whether you join a, you know, I know Alex is running a pretty uh, comprehensive online um, Zoom classes. If that's if you're in that zone, you need to contact him and make sure you do that Zoom class every day and make sure that you take care of yourself. You know. Otherwise, you're just you're going down a bad rabbit hole in a bad time, where your mental and your your physical health is going to take a, a just a beating. So, taking those steps physically will also help you mentally. Uh, you just an hour every day, Greg. You just got to give yourself that hour that needs to be your hour for you for your good, for your well-being, man. Otherwise, and you know it. You you still doing jujitsu. You're taking care of yourself. If you don't take care of yourself, how is anything else in your life going to, you know, go the way it, that you want it to go? It won't. And, and I always use the same analogy. When, whenever you're flying on a plane and the, uh, the stewardess always tells you the same, if the air pressure ever comes down, put your own mask first. You yes. have to put your own mask first before you can help anybody else. And uh, I think that having, having a physical outlet, having some physical activity to, to, to create some physical purpose to your existence is something that is so undervalued in our society today. And uh, there, there are guys like you guys have been calling the show that dedicate your life to do this. Now, I had a question for you. How is this affecting uh, your charity? Because I know that you do some pretty big um, efforts in, in Haiti, right? 
Yes, yes. How is this um, affecting you guys and your in in the stuff that you guys do in Haiti? You know, we will never stop doing what we're doing there. So I know in Haiti, uh, you're never going to get the the real information of what's going on as far as COVID in Haiti. Uh, it's really hard, the government and working with the people there. So we just honestly, we keep funding the orphanage. We keep sending money to take care of the kids. Um, like if, if it's the last thing I do, Greg, we will take care of those kids there. That that will never stop. So uh, we've been able to run the charity just like we always do. And if it comes out of my pocket, I don't care. It will come out of my pocket. It's, you know what I mean? Um, we, we ran the golf tournament again. We had to do it under crazy restrictions. We didn't bring in nearly as much money as we usually do with the yep. uh, golf tournament every year. But either way, you know, um, my brother owns a landscape construction company and he did really well this year so we just keep the wheel spinning man that's that's what we you do. know folks this is daniel Thiessen. he's the owner of radix performance in oakville and uh uh he's a good man and uh, this is what we do here on the show to try to support local business daniel i love you man you are an yeah. amazing human and uh, i, I hope you. to see you soon and uh, thank you for calling folks yeah. you're Thanks listening to the greg carrasco show here on tsn 1050 with ken stapen uh, we're going to take a small break, and uh, we are going to re-engage. Remember, call us, 416-870-1050 is the number. We will discuss whatever is in your mind, whatever, whatever is in there. Let's take a small break. And we are back. That was an intense hour and 15 minutes. There's everything here. This is like a topic buffet. <laughs> Whatever you want to talk about, name it. It's here. Just step up to the plate and drop it. We'll talk about it. Are you a big buffet guy? I used to be. Uh, not anymore. Uh, for the most part, I eat the same thing every day, man. I every day. I feel like it's not too good for the waistline, but uh, what I would not do to hit up the Mandarin buffet right <laughs> about now. You know, I, um, I think that for the better part of the last, I would say, five years or so, maybe a little bit more, I eat the same thing every single day at the exact same time. Uh, I'm not, I cannot say that I'm a fanatic to that because from time to time my kids come over on Sunday and we just, you know, stuff our faces with Chinese food. It's just delicious. <laughs> but uh, I will have the same thing every day, man. I'll have, a, you know, 12 to 15 ounce steak. I'll have a cup and a half of spinach. I'll have one avocado and uh, it's a fried steak on... Um, and nice yummy oil and you know so man mct and that's it that's 23 2400 calories i eat i eat that once a day man that's it man i feel <laughs> like i would still be hungry <laughs> honestly uh, my no, calorie man. intake with the with, i have uh, one of those fitbits my yeah. calorie intake on a daily is between 3500 and 4000 calories well you probably have a daily basis <laughs> that's because you have the uh, uh the metabolism of a hummingbird i i don't you see i was genetically <laughs> aft <laughs> Some people were genetically gifted. I was the complete opposite. <laughs> uh, we have a caller on the line. Who do we have there, Ted? Yep, let's go to Ted. Ted, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Ted, what's up? Hello. Hello, Greg. I'm glad I found you on uh, TSN here, 1050. Well, that's uh, that's a good thing, man. Uh, you know, it's it's unfortunate because many people uh, weren't listening when I told them where I was going. But uh, anyways, how can we help, Ted? Okay, well, I, I wanted to call... Not really for me. Like, I want to call and just give everybody another tool, like all the small businesses out there, another just piece of information. I I found this on the Internet. It's uh, 
Have you heard of the Great Barrington Declaration? It's not a conspiracy theory or anything. It's just, <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've never heard of this, but you know, hit me with it. Let's see. Let's see what okay, you got. Okay, it's 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 pretty solid. It's there's forty thousand health officials from around the world globally. Like it'll take you five minutes to read it. The Great Barrington Declaration, and you can read it in any language. It's unbelievable. Like there's there's. You know, you could click on any. There's languages there. I can't even make out what they are. So it's it's globally around. So the world. so you what know, is what is this, I, I, folks? If you're listening to the show, I have no idea what this is. So you know, Ted is just sharing with us something. Okay. What 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 will this tell you? Okay, what it is, it talks about the detrimental effects, like how to get over COVID, basically, properly, and have a focused. It's focused protection is what they they talk about. Right now, we're doing a blanket protection but really what we need is a focus protection to protect the vulnerable and let everybody else continue on because of the detrimental effects that it could have like we've already been talking the mental the mental health effects people don't feel safe to go to a hospital so they're putting off their medical treatments and these are all going to be coming back in the long term i mean i'm not an expert on it but i want to encourage and i i have called doug ford's office and doug ford if you're listening i called your office and I brought it up. There's a, lady, a beautiful lady there. Took all my information. She said many people have called in with the same concern, and they brought up the great, the great Barrington. Uh, you know, Ted, I, I, I really appreciate the phone call, brother. I, uh, I, I don't know what that is. I'll, I'll probably check it out. But uh, thank you so much for the phone call, Ted. I really appreciate you listening to the Carrasco show. We're going to take a very small break, and we have another, another guest here, Tom uh, from Ancaster. Uh, we, we will talk to him on, on the other side of the break. Let's, um, let's break now, guys. And we're back, folks. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And don't forget, this show is brought to you by Oakville Nissan, Oakville Infinity. We are the home of the no-commission salespeople. If you're still paying commission when you buy a car, you are leaving money on the table. You don't need to do that. And for this weekend, the Black Friday weekend, we have a crazy offer. So if you have a trade-in and you're financing any brand-new in-stock 2020 Nissan or Infinity, we will give you an additional $2,000. This is not to be combined with any other offers that we have because that offer is pretty crazy. So, you know, that is something that you can find at Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. So if you have a Honda, a Toyota, a Kia, a Hyundai, a Mazda, a VW, bring it down. We will give you more money for the trade. And something that I need to share with you folks, uh, while I was talking to the, uh, to the guys from the gym, um, I, I texted my buddy, Doug Ford, and I asked him to call and uh, uh, he uh, he just replied to me, and um, he is up in um, in Gore Bay. He's attending the funeral of the OPP officer, but uh, he promised that he's going to be on the show next weekend. So uh, the Premier Doc Ford is going to be with us here on the Greg Carrasco Show, TSN 1050, next weekend. So I encourage everyone to tune in and listen to the Premier. He's going to talk to the people, and that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about Doug, that, uh, you know, these times are tough, man, and uh, I, I cannot explain to you how difficult it must be to be a politician that is uh, is an actual business owner because as a business owner what's happening right now defies all your natural instincts to you know to push forward to keep the business open to keep struggling and producing and, and generating jobs and, and and all the things that that come out of having a small enterprise and uh, he understands that uh, i understand that we have lou on the line uh yes yeah, we do there? Lou. lou you're on the greg carrasco show hey great <laughs> great to be with you my friend Luskisas, the happy capitalist. Thank you so much for calling the Carrasco show, man. I, I missed you for the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I know. Well, I couldn't get on. You know, you, you got so much volume of people that want to listen to the show and comment. But I, I did want to say last week, uh, I really found the segment you did with Money Mike on yep. tax planning. Yeah. So valuable, not for me, but for everybody else. I mean, I have been a tax planner since I found out that Warren Buffett, you know, wasn't just a great investor. He had to be a great tax planner to get his hands on the money to make an investment. So it was really, really valuable to me and to your listeners. I also noticed last week a full page ad you were running in the Toronto Star. Uh, yes, and I can tell you this. I um, in for a long time, for about fifteen years, I did not advertise in the newspaper. Um, you know, the the message out there is getting fragmented aggressively now, and uh, I feel that a lot of people that were listening to me in the old network were older people, and uh, they may or may not have social media. So I felt that I needed to reach them, and you know, guess guess what? It worked because uh, many of them reached out and uh, they talked to me and now they're all switching over to TSN, uh, which is ultimately where I'll end up living for a very, very long time. The people at TSN have been wonderful to me. And, uh, you know, this long format conversation, Lou, is, is it's fascinating because now I can, I can unpack a topic. I, I don't have to be interrupted every five minutes with another commercial break. And, uh, you know, if we want to have a half an hour segment, I can actually do it. And I can talk about all sorts of different topics like the one that we're talking to you right now. Yeah, and I also wanted to say it was great listening today, Greg, and hearing uh, you creating a platform for all the business owners that are, you know, stuffed into this illogical process called managing a virus. Okay, oh, you know, when you take logical people, that's who gets into a business, right? Um, mm -hmm. They have to use every one of their creative processes to make a decision to put their capital at risk. And then, you know, you have this cockamamie process whereby their competitor is allowed to um, operate and they're shut down. Does it, it didn't make sense to me in March. It makes no sense to me today. It is a pretty scary situation, and I, I think that, you know, like I said earlier, we are navigating blind. And uh, I, I think that from, from a government standpoint, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about the federal government because you know how I feel towards that, but to, towards the provincial government, I think the dog is in a pretty tough position because he's going to, you know, he's, he's damned if he does and, and he's damned if he doesn't. Uh, and I think that, you know, communication is something that uh, that we need to get a little bit more of. And uh, like I said, just before you came on air, uh, dog is going to be on the show next Saturday. And we're going to try to unpack this conversation with him. So to see if we can get additional clarity when it comes to this. But I can tell you this. If you are a business owner, if you're a small business owner, if you have, if that's the only revenue stream that you have to support your family, my heart goes out to you because this is a tough, tough counterintuitive time that doesn't make any sense for anyone, and especially the people that are in the fitness industry. Lou, uh, you know there is there is so much benefit to keeping your mind healthy by exercising your body that I couldn't possibly comprehend why we're shutting down the one thing that is making people healthier. That's just one segment. I mean, back in March, when we were allowed to still go to a big box store to buy this, that, and the other thing, and yet a retailer selling, say, kids' clothing had to uh, shut down while the big box store was still pushing it through the till, I said, how does that make sense? 
Well, it doesn't <laughs> make sense. And that, I think, is where the frustration comes from. It doesn't make sense. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't think he does, and I, I am terrified, Lou, because uh, as I see the lockdowns coming, uh, spreading across the province, uh, we may be next. And uh, as a dealership, I employ eighty-five people, and uh, will we be able to sustain another round of layoffs? I don't know if we can. So this is a, it's an interesting time, and uh, you know, I appreciate you putting a spotlight on this uh, because um, I think that we need to take this a little bit more serious than where we're taking it right now. I mean, not so much from a virus standpoint. Point, but you know, from a social repercussion standpoint, because the the social effects that this is having on everyone else, uh, on on everyone really is 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 unbelievable, and we will we will not know how much this is going to affect the population that did not get sick down the line. We 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 simply don't know. And hey, Greg, I just want to point out from my history in 1968 when the Hong Kong flu went around the world, uh, they didn't shut down the economy, and you know, yes. People died. Don't get me wrong. That's a tragedy. But they didn't shut down the economy. And this is a new part of the playbook they wanted to try out. And really, I think we're all just lab rats at this point. Well, hopefully we're going to get a little bit more clarity uh, next week when uh, when Doc comes on the show. And Lou, I, once again, I love you, man. Thank you so much for calling the Carrasco Show. I really appreciate that you listen to what I have to say. It's, it's an honor to me, man. Hey, it's always an honor to be with you, my friend. Happy capitalism. Same to you, Lou. Wow. All the big guns are calling in now, Ken. What, what's happening? We, we, we seem to have hit a nerve with this. Hey, it's a, it's a hot topic of conversation, and understandably, people are passionate about it. It's affecting their livelihood. It's affecting everybody's day-to-day lives, and they should be emboldened to share their opinions. Uh, let's go to Toma. Toma, you're on the Greg Carrasco is, show. Is this the Tom? <laughs> oh wait, actually, I think uh, I think we dropped the call. We'll get him back on the line here shortly. Oh. But yeah, this is uh, a topic of conversation that you know people are going to get fired up about because, like you said, any disruption of the day-to-day lives, you know, it's been disrupted disruption for people's businesses, particularly in the red areas in Peel and in Toronto, and people are going to have strong opinions about it. Well, they are going to have strong opinions about it, especially because we employ such a large number of people. And the moment that you need to start shutting down, you have to let these people go. And, and, and this is not something that anybody that runs a profitable enterprise wants to do. I mean, we, we, we hire people to serve people. And uh, I, I don't know a single dealership in the entire province of Ontario that hasn't gone over and above every single precaution, every single guideline, every single aspect of the protocol that will that will make that wouldn't make that store safer you know to give you an example Ken at our store every time somebody comes in uh, and they, they bring the vehicle in for service we actually sanitize the vehicle before it even makes it inside the shop so it's, it's sanitized before and it's sanitized after. So we we have we bought these machines that will kill any sort of bacteria that you have with within the vehicle. And uh, this is very, very costly. So it's so much more expensive to do business today just to ensure the safety of the people that work with us and the people that do business with us. That um, I, I think that it's, it's a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, do we have somebody else on the line? Yeah, we got Toma back. Toma, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. <laughs> hey, Tom, how are you? How's it going, Greg? Uh, you know, here we are. I, I, I had a bunch of my friends uh, uh, calling the show earlier. And for those of you that uh, don't know Tom, Tom is a, uh, is a professor of another jiu-jitsu school in Mississauga. What's the name of your school, Tom? It's called Evil BJJ. 
Uh, I know that you are associated with Alex Siberia from Element CrossFit, who happened to be one of the guests on, on the show a little while ago. How are you guys coping with this lockdown? Because I know that the guidelines are different in Peel that they are in Halton. So, you know, my school with Marcio, uh, we are able to stay open with a bubble. We are, you know, we can only train with one partner and uh, the protocol is insane. How are you dealing with this? It's tough, man. Like, to be honest, um, you know, we are about 300 meters into Peel out of Halton. So um, I would be in the same scenario as Marcio if, if my school was 300 meters uh, to the west. So it's That's tough. Like, we have to shut down fully, and we were doing the bubble training as well. And, you know, even when you're capping classes to 10 people, it, it's still tough. Like, I, I have a whole bunch of friends who unfortunately have, close their gyms down and you know it's it's becoming so common and it, it seems like the common denominator is size right so um you know you and i talked about it four years ago i was in a ten thousand square foot unit and um if i didn't downsize a couple of years back i'd be shut down too i wouldn't be able to sustain it so uh, it's really tough i feel really bad for you know the I'll call it the brother and sister schools that that can't make it and you know it's a tragedy because literally overnight some of these schools had two three hundred members uh they go down to nothing down and and you can't sustain six months of rent when you know some places you're paying ten thousand dollars a month on your lease right so who's got that kind of uh i'll call it liquid cash to, to just keep funding that and and the other thing too we've experienced is some of the, you know, I heard Lou talk about the big box stores and, and he's passionate about it and I agree with him. Um, you know, there's these big box landlords that they don't care. It's, uh, you know, the, the government said that they would subsidize up 75%, but that was contingent upon um, these landlords agreeing to do the paperwork. And where I am in Mississauga, there's a uh-huh. 3% vacancy rate and they're not willing to do it. You know, their, their mindset and mentality is it, if you're not going to pay it, I'm just going to get the next person who's sitting in line waiting for it. So it's been a tough go, man. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, what are you guys doing to survive in this really tough times? Because I know with gyms, you can have Zoom classes, you can do all these things. But with jiu-jitsu, it's a little bit different because I remember that when we when we locked down, uh, uh, you know, in the first lockdown, my professor Marcio uh, from Marcio Nunes Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Burlington, the, uh, he went out of his way to create a library, uh, you know, for Zoom classes and everything else. But it's not the same. What are you guys doing to survive? It's not the same. Um, You know, we did it. We tried it. There wasn't an appetite for it. You know, you know it just as well as everybody else. Our sport is, uh, it's very physical. And if you don't get that sensation of physical resistance and, you know, um, that energy coming back at you, it's not really, there's no appetite for it. So what we've done, you know, we have incredible members and and a lot of members keep, you know, funding their memberships because they want a, a home to come to when it's all done. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? We just, we basically swallowed it. At the end of the day, um, you know, and I know you have Doug coming on next week, which is great. And it, it's such a double-edged sword, right? Like the government's trying to do so much. Um, their hands are a little bit tied. You're never going to win. Whatever decision you make, you know, we're, I, I call it the analogy of we're building the plane as we fly it. It's very new for everybody. Yeah. So, um, you know, the other day, I was looking into rent subsidy that the government announced. And the fact of the matter is, you know, you take these awesome members that we have who help at least get us close to just what our, our overhead costs are. 
once you calculate that revenue into the calculator, you know, you, they're deemed to say, okay, after that, you, you get 300 bucks. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't cut anything. Right. And, and then you never mind the money that you're not making off of it. So it, it's really different. You know, your professor, Marcio, my partner, Dave, they, they live off the school, right? So when you're just making enough to, to pay the rent, then you got to subsidize the way you, you pay your other bills, right? So um, it becomes two, three, four pronged and, and, and people just don't realize it. So luckily I, I have a daytime job. I have a, a career and, and the gym is kind of the side thing for me. But, um, you know, my whole, my whole goal is I want to keep my partner afloat and, and God knows we're not, you know, making a, a whole heap of money, but um, I'm also making sure that I'm taking care of, thank God, knock on wood with my day job. Um, I'm going to make sure that everything goes to him so that he can survive. So it, it, it's tough. It is. It is super tough. Now, Tom, if, if anybody wants to reach you, where can they find you? They can find us at evo-rmnu-bjj, um, or they can call us at 647-922-9074. Uh, we're located in Mississauga, kind of on the 403 and Dundas Crossroads. So we've got another three weeks, but um, you know, when we do open up, uh, arms wide open, welcome everybody. You know, thank you so much for the the phone call, Tom. And uh, Tom is also a client at uh, Oakville Infinity, and uh, uh, he's just a good guy all around. Th- thank you so much, Tom. And uh, like I said to Alex and everybody else, my professor Marcio, uh, that this is a platform for you guys, and that if at any point you want to communicate when the lockdown ends, uh, for offers and things that uh, in- initiatives that you have uh, on your local businesses, please feel free to call any time, and uh, we will support you in whichever way we can. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. Um, let's take a small break, guys. Uh, I need to catch my breath, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. You're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And if you want to talk to us, call us at 416-870-1050 is the number. We are right here for you all the way to 1 p.m. Slacker Nation is back. If you're just tuning in, folks, this is The Greg Carrasco Show here on TSN 1050. With Ken Stapen, we are Canada's largest automotive radio show. And, uh, you know, we have had some pretty intense conversation for the last two hours here. So we, we want to circle it back to a little bit of automotive. And uh, before we take the next call, uh, I, want, I want to send a couple of shout-outs. Um, you know, my friend Jason Ground that went uh, uh, on surgery a few weeks back. Uh, he's, you know, making his recovery. And uh, we're thinking about you, man. Uh, Dave Mahoney, my fleet manager, he is, uh, he's also under the weather. We're thinking about you. And I just heard that uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Nick Scrow, the owner of Scarborough Nissan, just had an emergency surgery. So, you know, a big shout out to Nick. I hope that uh, that you get well fast. You, you're a strong, strong like an oak. So I'm sure that you'll be back in no time. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I want to say this, uh, Ken, because often people think that, because we're car dealers and uh, we sell the same brand that we are competitors that we're trying to, you know, that, that this is a cutthroat business and it's not. Uh, you know, I'm pretty close to a bunch of people in the city and um, I need to name them. Uh, one of them is Nick Scrow. He's the owner of Scarborough Nissan. So if you live in the Scarborough area, uh, go and see him. He is a stand-up human. He will look after you. He's fair. He's honest. They'll, they'll take care of you. Uh, my other friend is Jamie Patterson. He is the general manager up in Orangeville, Nissan. So if you are in that side of the country, come and see Jamie. Uh, he is, uh, again, I've known him for a very, very long time, and he runs a tight operation, and uh, he will take care of you. And the other one, the other guy that, uh, <laughs> that I want to send a shout-out, he, he thinks he's handsome. 
you know, he thinks that he's one of the handsomest guys uh, in the dealer network. His name is Oscar Molo. He is the general manager of Brampton North Nissan. Folks, there is enough customers for everybody. So there is no need for us to compete with one another to the point that we're not friends anymore. Uh, so if you live in Scarborough, Orangeville, or Brampton, you know where to go now. These are good guys. They will look after you. And of course, if you are anywhere anywhere else other than that, you're going to come and see me at Oakville Nissan in Oakville Infinity, uh, home of the No Commission salespeople. But we have Ray from Oshawa calling. Ray, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. Ray, yes, are you there? Ray. Yes. How are you? Not too badly. I spoke to you before about this car, and I gave you some wrong information, so I'm going to call you back again and go through the process again. Okay. Uh, I want to sell a 2006 Mustang. Uh, okay. It's a V6. Okay. Not a four, I told yeah, you. Yeah, no, no, I... I understand that. So we, we did the appraisal after we got off the uh, got off the air uh, last time, and uh, you are correct. I mean, the, the V6 is the base vehicle. So yeah, what other information did you have for me? Anyway, I want you to uh, give me a comment on what you think I should ask for. Uh, how many kilometers you had? 120? Uh, 32,497. 32,000. Do you remember the conversation that we had about this, uh, Ken? I do recall. Uh, I think, Ray, it was a couple of weeks ago you called in, right, just uh, to talk about no, the Mustang? It was, was, last, it, was it last week? Last uh, week, yes. Yeah, and you said they had a four-cylinder, but now we're understanding that it's a six-cylinder yeah. Mustang. So that's uh, a little bit better for you, Ray, because I think a better, a bigger engine is uh, a little bit more desirable on the open market. But I think the same problem likely still applies, is what is the market for a car that's you know 14 years old? That isn't uh -huh. old enough to be a classic, but isn't new enough to be necessarily desired by that used automotive market. It's right in between. Uh, well, so look at it this way. Uh, right now, uh, you know, the kilometers are really good kilometers on that car. And um, here is the problem. I'm looking at uh, the entire country, and it tells me what is available. Um, there was one here with uh, 55,000 kilometers that, uh, you know, was listed at 6,900, but it was sitting in somebody's lot for 461 days, Ray. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, almost, <laughs> that's almost two years. So I reckon they sold that vehicle for maybe $4,500. If, if I were them, I would have blown it out a long time ago. But um, what I can tell you is this, that if you list it at any more than $5,000, you're going to be sitting on that thing for a long time. So I would probably list it at 4900 and just sell it. Uh, it's not a desirable vehicle. I mean, other than the kilometers, uh, Ray, you have nothing else going on that thing. Nothing else. Okay. So listed at five thousand, uh, you know, settle at forty-five. If you if you get forty-five, you're gonna be you're gonna be okay. Okay. Thank you, Ray. Take care. Take care. Wow. That was um. That was interesting. I gotta be honest. I wasn't expecting to hear from Ray again. I'm, uh, I'm glad they called back to let us know the update update on the engine because obviously yeah, no, no, that's it, it, obviously that's a big contributing factor when people are looking to buy a car but i think that ray's conundrum is just the fact that he probably sat on it for too long if he was going to try to sell it he probably should have done it a couple of years back when it still had a little bit of residual value and at this point he's either got to drive it into the ground or just cut his losses and uh, sell it for a cheaper price 
to be perfectly honest with you, if I had that car, I wouldn't sell it. You know, you got 32,000 kilometers. Um, yeah, you could why, drive it for why would, forever. Why would, you, why would you want to get rid of it? You barely use it. That thing is going to be new 10 years from now. Maybe then uh, you know, history and the market would be a little bit more favorable towards that car. But right now, it's, it's in the twilight zone. It's truly worthless. I feel uh, like Ray is the kind of guy, too, that probably took really good care of it. Like has oh, the I'm shop sure in the did. garage, you know, changes the fluids <laughs> regularly, like makes sure that the oil is always fresh. And the thing is probably in great shape. So I don't know why you wouldn't hold on to it for a little while longer. Maybe he doesn't use it. I mean, and that's something that is obviously you know, not very often with that yeah. mileage on there. <laughs> perfectly feasible. And I, and I get that. But sometimes I just wonder why would you want to get rid of this, you know, this vehicle? Maybe you should give it to someone, honestly, because no one is going, no one else is going to see the value that you see in this, this type of vehicles. And unfortunately, when you get a car like that, that, you know, maybe at the time was, uh, was a novelty, but not today, um, you, you're not really going to make any money on those things. Now, for a long time, Ken, I have been a big fan of uh, the, um, the, the Charger and the Challenger, 1970, 71. And um, I, I've been looking at those cars, trying to get one. But, I mean, the price just shot up to in the, into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So then I decided to go a little bit newer. So I went into the late 70s, early 80s, uh, whether it's a Trans Am or a Firebird and whatnot, you know, with that old still 70 big body style. Those things have gone through the roof now. The prices is going crazy. We're talking thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars for a nineteen seventy nine Trans Am, and uh, I, I think that race car is not there. It's not one of those classic, iconic uh, vehicles that have been romanticized throughout the ages, and and it's very unfortunate because if it was one of those cars, I mean, that thing would be worth a fortune with thirty two thousand original kilometers. Unfortunately, you're twenty like, years out. <laughs> You're 20 years out, but also, uh, you know, like I said many times before, the, the price of the vehicle is not determined by how you feel the vehicle is worth. It's determined by how many people get up in the morning, put the hand up in the air, and they say, today is the day that I'm going to get myself a 2006 Mustang with 30Ks. If nobody gets up saying that, guess what? The car's worth nothing. Folks, you're listening to the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. We need to take a small break. And remember, the phone lines are open. If you want to talk about anything, 416-870-1050 is the number. Call us back. We'll be right back after the break. And here we are. Time flies. When you're discussing important things. Folks, the show is for you. Yeah, we talk about cars. Yes, we answer questions about your automotive needs. But the truth is that we talk about whatever you want. This is your show, 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's one 591 6876 I want to send a shout out to Money Mike. Uh, Money Mike took the week off. But um, it seems like last week's show resonated with a lot of people. And during the week, uh, a bunch of business owners and investors have called Money Mike and uh, just saying, here. Take my money, Mike. <laughs> uh, so if you want to reach Money Mike, call him at 905-320-6762. I'll repeat this. If you're trying to reach Money Mike, uh, you can send him an email at moneymike.ca or call him at 905-320-6762. And folks, don't forget that uh, the show immediately after it ends gets uploaded into iTunes so you can listen to the podcast on your own time. No commercials, no breaks, no nothing, just straight up conversation. And you can listen to us in the comfort of your own home. You wake up in the morning. You can have me keeping you company as you get ready to go to work. 
what better company can you have? Tell me. Ken, come on, man. This is the best company that anybody could have. It's a pretty good company. And not going to lie, it's been, a, it's been an exciting show today. A lot of uh, passionate discussion, a lot of callers calling in. Interesting to hear the angle from business owners and people who are in the fitness industry and what this lockdown has meant for them. Obviously, them and hospitality have been the two industries, by my estimation, which been have been affected the most. So nice to hear from some owners of businesses and see uh, how they're working through the government regulations. Absolutely. And uh, for those of you that were listening to the show earlier, or that weren't listening to the show earlier, rather, uh, Premier Doug Ford is going to be calling the show next week. So if you want to listen to the Premier himself, you know, trying to shed a little bit of light and bring some clarity into some of this confusion that's happening in the city and uh, maybe some direction, um, you know, he will be on the Carrasco show next uh, next Saturday, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to him. But uh, right now, we have Dan uh, from Hammertown. Dan, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Oh, no problem, man. How can we help? Okay, I got, I got a couple of questions for you. So if, if I go on too long, just cut me off. I understand there's probably more callers calling in. So uh, first question I have is related to the car that I'm currently driving. I have a 2011 Audi A4. Um, and uh, I'm the second owner on the vehicle. I bought it off my fiance's mom, and it came to me with, uh, I don't know if I would call it an issue or not, but they let me know that the vehicle itself burns oil. So I bought it a number of years ago, and I took it to a mechanic right before I bought it, and, and, and uh, the mechanic is a friend of mine, and he looked at it and said, Dan, it doesn't really appear to be uh, leaking any oil, but the vehicle burns oil. So, And it was, uh, you know, at the time I was filling it up, putting a, a liter of oil in it every maybe few months. Um, that's definitely accelerated now uh i'm definitely putting oil in it almost every two weeks a liter of oil it's asking uh for more so now i'm kind of in the situation where i'm deciding what i need to do with this vehicle so my options to me are uh, i look into selling it with this issue i look into repairing it or i or i just put up with it and drive it into the ground and i'm curious what you guys think i should do how many kilometers do you have on the car i think it's about 175 um and it's a 2012 you said it's a 2011. 2011. Okay, so look at it this way. Right now we're selling 2021s, uh, or at least are landing on the, on dealer lots. So your vehicle is 10 years old. It's got close to 200,000 kilometers. It's burning oil at, at, at a rate of a liter a week. Uh, the car is worthless. So if you trade it in, you're going to get one or $2,000 max. So the question that you need to ask yourself, is putting one liter of oil aggravating enough for you to get rid of the vehicle. Other than that, is it giving you any other problems? It gives me no other problems. I love the car, to be honest. Other than that. Okay, so I so look at it this way. If it costs me $6 every week or $12 every week to keep a vehicle running and uh, not having to spend money on a car, uh, why not, considering that the vehicle is worthless? You're not going to be able to replace that car for $12 a week. You, you follow my logic? I do, yep. So if, if the vehicle is giving you no other problems, I would suggest that you continue to drive it until it becomes so obnoxious that your lifestyle is being dramatically affected. Uh, but if that's the only thing that you need to do right now, I don't know if I would change it now. That is from a economic. That's from a financial standpoint. Now, from an environmental standpoint, you know, burning oil. I'm sure that you're smoking the entire neighborhood now. If you feel bad about that, you might as well just get rid of it now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Okay. So, what was I, the next I question? That. Um, so, I can ask you one more question. Of course. 
Okay, so uh, I have a growing family, and my uh, fiance and I have been looking at vehicles that will hold uh, all five of us. So we have two kids now, and we have a third on the way. And we were looking at mm-hmm. purchasing something that would uh, be comfortable for the five of us in the range of twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars that I would probably just pay with cash rather than finance. What would you recommend? Uh, number one, I would advise you to absolutely not pay cash for a car, which is the highest depreciated, depreciating asset on the planet. That's a mistake. I wouldn't let you do it if you were related to me. Number two, you're going to have to go use cars because uh, there is no seven-passenger sitting vehicle that you can buy for $25,000, including taxes. So, yep. uh, you know, if, if that's what you're looking at, then I would recommend a bunch of different things. Uh, I would recommend that you look at the uh, Santa Fe Excel. Uh, 2016 or so. They they were seven passenger seaters. Uh, they have a 3.3 V6 engine. They're phenomenal vehicles. Probably one of the most underrated cars in the marketplace. Uh, I would also look at the Nissan Pathfinder. Uh, they are seven pass- passenger seating. The, the Pathfinder is a, is an institution. It's been around for a long time, and uh, I think that those two will provide you the absolute best value for the money within that segment. Um, now, there are other vehicles that are just as good, if not better, but they're significantly more money. For example, the Toyota Highlander and the Honda Pilot. They're both great vehicles. Unfortunately, they are so overpriced that they will not be new enough. So you would have to be, it would have to be significantly older if you go right. with a Pilot or a Highlander or a newish, a newer Pathfinder or Santa Fe Excel. And those are the only vehicles that I would recommend for that. Okay, that's great. I, I will uh, I will take a look. You know, have a look and, uh, you know, go on my website at uh, oakvillenissan.com or oakvilleinfinity.com. We have some pretty cool and good deals on seven passenger sittings there right now. And uh, my store doesn't negotiate on used cars, so we give you the best price right up front. And a lot of people really like that. So have a look at it. And if we can help you, by all means, just come and see me and we'll look after you. Okay, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, Dan. Uh, let's talk to Jason from Markham. He's got a couple of questions for, uh, you know, Greg here on the Carrasco Show. Hey, Greg, how you doing? I am well, man. Thank you so much for calling the show, and how can I make your life better? No worries, long-time listener. Um, so I am Thanks, uh, looking at two-seater Miata, uh, previous generation, 2006 to 15, let's say. Um, yep. And what I've noticed is, is that over the last, uh, well, I'll say nine months, give or take, Prices seem to have gone up, and I expected that over the summer, like spring into summer. But as the fall comes, and um, prices are still holding like 20% over they were last year. Cars don't appreciate generally. Uh, I'm wondering if this is like a, a one-time blip, a COVID thing, a supply demand, or, or what's what's behind all that. Uh, it's a little frustrating um, to be honest. No, I, I'll, I'll tell you what's happening. The uh, Number one, you're looking at the right car because the Mazda Miata is quite possibly one of the best cars uh, in that segment. There is There aren't very many vehicles that are better balanced, better value than a Miata. Um, the biggest thing that you're contending against with right now, Jason, is the fact that during the lockdown, a lot of manufacturers shut down. So to give you an example, and I, I, I don't want to bore you with numbers because, uh, you know, they don't, they don't really mean much to many people. But uh, uh, the, the traditional business model says that we, in order for you to have a viable supply of inventory on ground, you need to have anywhere between 1.8 to 2.2 months of product on ground. So I'll, I'll, I'll translate that. If you sell 100 cars a month, you need to have anywhere between 180 pieces in inventory to 220 pieces in inventory in order for you to be able to uh, supply uh, to your demand, okay? So right now, the product supply is so short that 
we have less than 45 days. And uh, if if that doesn't hold the prices up, I don't know what else is going to. So there isn't a lot of cars out there. And that's what is making dealerships that are holding on to specialty vehicles like the Miata um, hold on to the prices, if not, you know, adjust the prices for market demand. You see, the... The car industry right now is is far more technical than it has ever been. We have systems today that tell you what the vehicle is worth on an hour-by-hour basis. So if a vehicle was worth X number of dollars right now, two hours from now, based on market demand and market day supply, the vehicle could be worth more money. So dealers are becoming a lot smarter this way, and also the consumer has a lot more information available to them. So if you... um. If you go down, I mean, 20% on a vehicle that is between 2006 and 2015 is not going to be a lot of money. But if you're looking for a deal on a Miata, you're not going to find it. The, the Miata is a very, very well uh, sought after vehicle. Right. Well, what I'm seeing is that dealers are holding, I mean, a price for a 10-year-old car is sitting at 60, 70% of what new was. Yeah, and with that specific vehicle, you will find that. But then they're holding the car for uh, that, a year because they're not selling it. <laughs> that... That is a that is a very bad business uh, use uh, use car manager. <laughs> the the reality is that there is not a single dealership that should that should have a single used vehicle that's any older than sixty days. If the vehicle is sitting there for longer than sixty days, then you have a problem. You have a culture problem. You have a general management problem. You have an issue at that store. So. You know, if you um, if you want to get some more in-detail advice in relation to this specific unit that you're looking at, you're welcome to call me after the show. Um, Jason and I can probably help you out and tell you how long the vehicle has been there and what I think the vehicle is worth. I can help you with that. All right. I appreciate all that uh, that help. Oh, okay, one, awesome. One and uh, hopefully for, we'll... T- uh, sorry. For whom? For Asgar Molu. I was going to say, I knew that I worked with the guy 20 years ago, and he thought he was good looking then, too. That's all I wanted to say to you. <laughs> thank you, Jason. Uh, let's talk to Disco in Toronto. Disco, thank you for calling the Carrasco Show. How can we help? Greg, how are you? I am well. Is this the Disco? The Disco. Um, I just wanted to say, great show. I tuned in at the beginning regarding your lease and uh, conversation, and uh, I've you know, I was in the business for 10 years, and when I initially left the business, I was in the same predicament as a regular consumer uh, trying to figure out whether I should lease or finance my next car. And, uh, you know, having a unique personality ended up leasing a smart car. Um, with that being said, uh, you would think with a car that could fit in your pocket that no matter what happens at the end of that lease, I would have nothing to worry about. And uh, I just had my uh, inspection done, and it was $3,000 worth of uh, uh, fine, I guess, dings and dents. And you and didn't dirt. buy the lease and protection? You know what? Uh, there's no way I would be in the business for 10 years and not buy that lease and protection. So I definitely did buy it. Uh, mind you, it was, a, you, it was, 16, it was $1,600. So I understand the predicament that most consumers are in when, uh, when making that decision. But I can tell you, no matter how tough it was to make the decision at the beginning, I am so relieved right now. And one thing that people always forget is that damn key. Because my key in my smart car is like a basic oh, key, but man. it was still five hundred dollar charge. So I just wanted to call and reaffirm that, like whatever you were saying, is obviously right. I was in the business. It's not about the money. Uh, it's totally worth the investment for sure. You know, thank you so much for the phone call, Desco. I really appreciate it. And you know, a smart boy, man. And what I can tell you, folks, is this: uh, when I purchased my son a car, uh, he has a two thousand and nineteen Elantra. This is before I came back and and started to work with Nissan Infinity again after so many years. 
um, I financed it because it's 0% and I'm not going to pay cash for the car when there's 0% financing. You know, I give my money to Money Mike and he's given me a huge return. So why would I use my liquid to pay for a depreciating asset? Make no sense. But also, I bought a 96160 extended warranty, comprehensive extended warranty. That warranty was a few thousand dollars, but I can tell you this that if I do it with my own cars, I have to be able to put it forward to you, the listener, because I won't advise you to do something that I don't do myself. And that's, you know, that's a guideline that anyone that has ever worked for me will understand. I believe so wholeheartedly in what I tell you here on the radio that I do it with my own transactions. But uh, Disco, thank you so much. I saw the picture of that smart car. It's just funny to see it, but um, I'm glad that you got the... Uh, uh, the lease and protection. Let's talk to Mike in Toronto. Mike, how can I make your life easier? Yeah, how you doing? Um, uh, well, there's a lot of things you could do to make my life easier. First of all, <laughs> <laughs> is help me out. I'm uh, I own a, um, a small mom and pop restaurant in on Lakeshore called Double okay. D's, and um, we sell deep dish pizzas. Okay. And obviously, I've been struggling pretty much since March, right? Because uh, I mean, the way I look at it, I own a restaurant. We've been locked out locked down forgive me for the year i haven't had indoor dining for almost a year and uh, my argument is is uh <laughs> the government has to stop lockdowns they can't stop people from going out and somewhat enjoying their lives over a pandemic that uh yeah it exists but it's not as fatal and deadly as most people think it is it affects older people uh, and people with like that are health vulnerable. Yeah. And I'm struggling because if we just got rid of the zone lockdown, mm-hmm. we as a small business could survive. We're, we're all going to do our part. We're going to wear a mask. We're going to social distance and wash our hands. We're going to limit, and I mean really limit, the people that will go into our restaurants. Just to just to abide by the rules and show that we're following and we care about our neighbors. Maybe it'll let us allow, allow one table in every hour. I can't see how that's a threat to society. Mikey. I I, I don't the, disagree the with you, man. I don't disagree with you. And um, <clears throat> how do you know Kurt, by the way? Kurt is my is um you know he's my best friend. I'm not his best friend, so I don't know how that works. <laughs> but uh, how do you know Kurt? Our kids used to play hockey together. Yeah, I am. I apologize and, and I, for him. He's a, he's a pain in the butt. <laughs> What's that? Forgive, forgive me. I don't mean to be naive. Are, are we on the air right now? Yeah, of course we are. Okay. <laughs> okay. I didn't know we were allowed to bash Kurt on the air. Well, of we course can we can. Oh yeah, he he's one of the worst, man. He is the absolute worst. You know, like I said before, he you know he's been my best friend for I don't know maybe ten years or so, but I'm not his. Yeah. So you know, I always take second <laughs> chair, and uh, there's nothing I can do about it. The problem is that you know I I, I wasn't born away, here, right? right? What's that? He just won't go away. He won't leave you alone, will he? Uh, no, he 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 won't. But uh, what's the name of your restaurant? It's called Double D's. Okay, and, and where are you located? At twenty eight eighty eight Lakeshore Boulevard West. Are you still uh, doing deliveries, though? Uh, yes, but even even that, like I, I I work alone. I have no employees. I, I really I can't afford it. I can't. I, I can't I, the business isn't there to to do it. So we do deliveries, but we I have to contract that out. So if someone were to call in and ask for a delivery, yeah, I have to phone a guy and pay him to do the delivery. So yes, indirectly, I do deliveries, but it uh, almost doesn't really make me much money other than the fact. So that are you shut down right now? For indoor dining. Now, fortunately, I mean, I am fortunate that 
I sell pizza. Yeah. So that, that's a popular takeout item. So it, I am closed as in indoor dining, but I'm allowed to do takeout. Okay, folks, if you, if you live in that area, are you in Mimico down there? Yeah, exactly. New Toronto, yeah, on, in between 5th and 6th on the north side. Uh, Islington and Lakeshore is the, the um, a major intersection. There you go. So Slacker Nation is going to represent them. They're going to go and you know, do some double D takeout pizza <laughs> <laughs> out of your shop. Uh, Thank I you really so much. I appreciate it. Every little <laughs> bit will help right now at this point. Thank you so much for the phone call, Mike. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, sharing, you know, what you're going through. I mean, this is a, you know, as much as we try to, you know, to, you know, bring some levity into the show, the, the density of what's happening out there can, is, is impossible to run away from. Do you feel that? We talk about it, well, we've talked about it a lot over the last couple of weeks and particularly in hospitality, which we've discussed on this show. It's a field that I've worked in for the last 14 years and watching what's happened to the industry. It's just been completely decimated by the inability for people to come in and sit out. And I know they sort of gave a lifeline with the patio thing, but that obviously wasn't going to be sustainable as you move into the late November, December, January months, because people just aren't going to sit outside to have a meal in those times. It's far too cold. It's just such a difficult time for these small businesses. And unfortunately, especially in the restaurant industry, that's a industry that's dominated by independents who own their own spot, just mom and pop shops who have opened their own business and the margins are so thin and it's so difficult to make it in a city like Toronto where there's so many different options all the time. It's just so tough out there, for, particularly in that, in that field. Well, all I can say is this, that uh, we, you know, if we are doing this to look after one another, so n- not any more people that what, who needs to is going to get sick or who has to, or who will inevitably get sick. Uh, we also need to be in the businesses supporting one another in each other's businesses. I mean, there is a lot of multinational corporations that are down here and we are dumping all of our dollars into them. Why not just take a little bit of time and support your local organizations and you're going to see how much easier and bearable bearable this lockdown is going to be, especially in the uh, hospitality industry, which has been decimated by the lockdowns. Um, folks, you're listening to The Greg Carrasco Show. We're going to take a small break right now. And uh, the, remember, the phone lines are open. So whatever you want to call and talk about, uh, you can call 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's 8-1855-591-6876. We'll be right back after the break. Hey, 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 we are back. You're listening to the Carrasco Show here with Ken Stapen, Canada's largest automotive radio show, and uh, we take all of the phone calls. The stranger the phone call, the more eager we are to take it, right, uh, Ken? Yeah, we like that. I think our next uh, guest might fall into that category. We have Michael from the Junction. Michael, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. How's it going, guys? Good to, good to talk it's to you It's going today. great, thanks. What's happening? Yeah, not too much. Just on my way back from Cambridge. Yes, you are correct. The stranger, the better. And Michael from the Junction is back. I, I missed you a little bit there, Greg, and I'm glad to talk to you again. Always That's awesome, man. You. Yeah, you know what? I just I just wanted to put a little little something out. You know what? You know, Michael from the Junction gets out to other parts of this province, and and just you know the caliber, the quality of drivers we have here. It's just terrible. You know, we got three lanes on the 401, and 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 you know, 75 percent of the people don't have any clue what one of those three they should be in. <laughs> <laughs> they get it. They, they get under your skin, eh? Oh man, you know if you're in the middle lane and people are blowing past you on both sides, you know maybe there's a problem. You know they're a rock in the middle of the river, and 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 there's just there's no flow, and we got so many accidents on our multi-lane highways for no reason whatsoever. What can we do about this? 
Well, I think that the uh, the, the graduated system for uh, the driver license doesn't put enough emphasis on understanding the rules of the road. And you know, this is something that has come up on the show several times, Mike. Uh, you see, the road driving, um, there is a language that we all speak. You know, the the left lane is the fast lane, the center lane is the driver lane, the uh, the the right lane is the merging lane. But there is there is a lot of confusion when it comes to this, and this is one of the things that happens when you go to Europe. People are so good at obeying the the rules of the of the road that there are no confusion. I mean, you can have motorcycles flying by in between the lanes, which is something that if they were to do here, there would be so many fatalities that no one would know what to do with. But that is mostly because people here don't care <laughs> would you agree with that yeah unfortunately i, I think you're right I, you know i haven't uh, driven in europe but I, I get down to california fairly often and, and and i drive it and you know you get out in the interstates and, and you know some highways are some uh states are just terrible but a lot of them you know you see someone coming on you know you move to the left you let them on and then you adjust your speed and you merge back and, and some states you know everyone's okay but others I find the closer you get to Ontario, it just all seems to go down the hill. You know, I don't know it's, what we it's... can do, you know? It's Ontario, but you know, the, the, the peculiar thing for me is that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you go, Canadians have the reputation of being polite, okay? So you've heard this before, but uh, I, I disagree with that so wholeheartedly. If you think Canadians are polite, try to merge onto the highway in the middle of a snowstorm and see who lets you in. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, if I can, if I can say something to that, we, we need to look at driving as a cooperation activity instead of a competitive sport. Uh, I don't think that that will ever be the case, brother. I think that there is a lot of selfish people that they only see the world as it pertains to them and they put their individual glasses on. And so long as it doesn't affect them, they don't care. And uh, we, you see a lot of that on the road, man. A lot of that on the road. Absolutely. Well said. Great, great to hear you again, Greg. Uh, you guys have a good day. Thank you so much for the phone call, Michael. I, uh, I really appreciate you calling. Let's talk to Jim from Pickering. Uh, he needs some car advice. Jim, how can I make your life easier? Hey, Greg, how are you doing? A few I, very well, thank you. Good. I, sh- I should have waited for the answer. Good, I'm glad to hear. But you know what, uh, Greg? Um, I'm going to give you a few rapid-fire questions. And uh, But first of all, I'm going to wish you both uh, upcoming week. Happy birthday. Uh, oh, thank you. you. For both of you, and I know, Greg, I'm like you, and I'm unfortunately too many ways and, and that, but I'm like that, birthdays, and the worst place of all to be on someone's birthday is in a bar. <laughs> I don't have to tell you why, but, you know, you got to buy them this, that, and the other, right? And, oh, my God. But, uh, so it was good to hear from, uh, respectfully, Slacker Skeezus. I was surprised he didn't <laughs> call in on the high net worth thing, um, show and I've been following him like a long time back on his uh, business television shows, him, Kevin O'Leary, Amanda Lang, all of them. And uh, so it was good to hear from him. So, again, like I said, rapid fire. Mike Stafford, I haven't heard from him in a while, and he's not on air. And any, Do you have any information on him? Uh, you know, Jimmy, come on, man. We're talking about another network here, so I really prefer to put that network out of my mind. So don't do that to me. Come on. Sorry come about on. that. I come, mean, on. I, come, that... On. come on. Okay, I won't talk about Chrysler. <laughs> so I'll give you that for your birthday. That'll be your birthday present. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So how can I help you, Jim, today? A few weeks back, you did um, mention someone on the show mentioned 
that seem to know that they may have a government incentive program if you take a car more than 10 years old off the road and uh, that they would give you a $4,000 credit. But I think at the time it had to be towards an electric vehicle, but that was subject to change. Any update no, on that? No, that's, uh, that's not so what was said. Uh, that was Tim Browse. Uh, he was, he's the president of the CADA. Uh, he is um, one of the biggest representatives of the car industry here in Canada, uh, beside my buddy Todd Bourjon from the TADA. Uh, they were trying to push forward this, uh, this scrapish car, I think, it's, I think that's what they call it, in which if you traded in a vehicle that was you know, past X number of uh, years of age, that the government will give you an incentive for you to get rid of it and, um, and get something else. But so far, they had gotten only far as if they traded in for an electric vehicle, but this is not a law yet. It hasn't been passed. So this is all in the negotiation stages with the federal government and then subsequently with the provincial governments. But nothing has happened yet, and we have no update. I'm, I'm sure that Tim Rouse is going to call the show within the next few weeks and give us an update. They've done it before, Greg. I do remember. I remember a neighbor leaving his car in the driveway, and sure enough, it happened, a van, and the, the wheels were spread out, right? And uh, it happened, and he traded it in, got a good, uh, you know, much more than it was worth. Well, I, let's hope it happens. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help the environment tremendously. I mean, the emission standards have changed considerably over the last six, six or seven years, and uh, a 10-year-old vehicle is, is really just... Uh, it's not something that is necessary anymore, um, but uh, I hope it comes uh, as a reality. That's going to help stimulate the car industry significantly, and it's going to get a lot of clunkers and highly polluting vehicles off the road. I, I really hope that it, it works out. Okay. That's it, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for the phone call, Jim. I really appreciate it, and uh, keep on listening. You know, Jim is an, is an avid listener of the Carrasco Show, and uh, I always appreciate him calling. Um, you know before we uh, we go to the next break, I, I wanted to share something with the audience that, um, again, a lot of the stuff that I talk about here on the show are things that I see on a day-to-day -day basis running my company. And I have seen this pop up time and time again at every single place that I have ever run. And there was a giant misconception, confusion, a lack of clarity and transparency in the understanding of what a bill of sale is. So are you there, Ken? You know, I, I, wanna, I, I want you to stick with me on this one. Yeah, I'm here. And uh, just to build off what Jim was saying, I believe the yeah. United States, when I lived down there, they had a pretty successful cash for clunkers campaign under President Obama. I believe it was just after he was elected in 2008. And it, it was great. Like, people just got their old rigs off the road and they got into newer cars. It was tremendous for the environment. It was tremendous for the consumer as well to take advantage of a program that could get them into a newer vehicle that better suited their needs. So do you know if they made it available for every type of vehicle or was it only available for electric cars? No, I believe at that point in time, it was about, that would have been 11 years ago now. So it was for every type of vehicle, if memory serves me correctly. And it yeah. was the same thing that we were talking about here. It was just, I believe the car had to be at least 10 years old and then you could just trade it in. And they'd give you cash up front for a newer model that was going to be more fuel efficient and thus better for the environment. I understand now though that we are progressing and there's a lot of places, including Quebec and California, that are trying to get away from the combustion engine as early as 2035. So it would make more sense now that they're adapting that into a hybrid or electric vehicles moving forward. But uh, you really hope for the consumer that they can make this come to fruition because I think it would be really helpful not only for the automotive industry, but for the people buying the cars as well. 
yes and no, because if they only make it available to hybrid and electric vehicles, then you're going to limit the number of vehicles that people can buy. And a lot of hybrid vehicles and electric vehicles are so far away from the reach of the regular consumer that it would only benefit people that don't need the benefit in the first place. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, the so, price point's much higher, and like we said, like who, the average person's not going to be going out and buying a Tesla. Like, they're what's not the, going what's to. The, what's the MSRP on that? It's 150 grand or something. They they don't know. They start at significantly lower than that. I think you're talking about you know sixty thousand dollars is the least expensive car they have. But I mean, how many people are buying those cars? That's it's not something that it's not a thing. If it was a thing, uh, we would be sending a lot more than two percent of the the cars across the planet that are electric right now, and ninety percent of that two percent is sold in California. So you know, electric cars as as much of a status symbol as they are today, they they haven't reached the critical mass that they need to reach in order for them to be available to the middle class, to the lower class, to the regular folk. You know, people like you and I that uh, don't want to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a vehicle simply because it's electric. So until that happens. Uh, I don't. I, I will not support this because um, the the one percent of people that do well, they can pay the money, and that's that's my beef with the subsidies for for uh, electric companies. But, but anyways, do you, but do you suspect though? And uh, we have one more caller that I'd like to get to just after this, right before we move into our last segment here. But do you suspect that if there was more economic demands, that that would inherently drive down the price of these vehicles to a price point that the average consumer was able to buy? Because for right now. There isn't the demands just because, like you said, people can get a combustion engine for cheaper. The price of gas is pretty cheap as far as uh, historically is, it's been concerned. So it's not exactly like this is a, the cost of operation is extreme. But you feel like moving forward, the price of fuel is just going to escalate. The pressure to do things that are going to be good for the environment long term and be green, for lack of a better way to put it, is going to be pressure that's placed on every government. There's going to be incentive for these car manufacturers to come out with more affordable options. Uh, you know, I, absolutely not. I completely disagree with that notion of corporate welfare. I think that the, the government should stay out, completely out of solventing private enterprise uh, because you can never really understand why you do that. I mean, you cannot use taxpayer dollar to finance uh, enterprises that don't belong to the country. I mean, look, if, if you're financing or giving a subsidy for Tesla, Tesla is not a Canadian company, but we're using Canadian taxpayers to solvent the purchase of vehicles that are not available to the regular consumer. I think that each car manufacturer, if you believe in free market enterprise, is obliged to have a, they have a market obligation for them to provide goods and services that are equitable in price that will make the general consumer start driving the market towards their cost of ownership. And on that basis, we cannot get the, the uh, you know, the government involved in, uh, in, in that sort of corporate subsidy. So uh, I understand what you're saying, but I don't think that that is the duty of the government to finance um, multinational corporations. You see, there is a big confusion between being pro-business and pro-corporation. <laughs> I am not pro-corporation. I am pro-business. And uh, the market ultimately will always settle itself. You need to get uh, out of free enterprise. You need to get out of the free market and the market will always guide you towards the best way. So, you know, in a free market enterprise, you're always voting every day. You vote with your dollar. You know, if, if you have a car manufacturer that stands out and provides an excellent value proposition with, uh, you know, fuel consumption and with, uh, uh, with environmental guidelines that speak to the populace, 
the populace will respond and they will go and buy that product. But that has to come from the corporation. It cannot come from the government. Do you disagree with that? No, it makes sense to me. Let's go to Vince from Scarborough. Vince, you're on the Greg Carrasco Show. Hey, Vince. Hey, gentlemen. What's going on over there? Uh, everything, man. How can we make your life easier today? Vince. Uh, oh, sorry. You're not Vince. I'm Vince. Hey, Greg, <laughs> I'm trying to do some veal cutlets, and they don't come out the way like my grandmothers used to do. But guess what? I accept my limitations. You understand? So I do, man. I do. It's not that bad right now. I got, a, I got an experience for you, buddy, a similar vein. I went through the charity donation program for an old clunker just this week. It was a good okay. experience, and I'll tell you why. The best thing I had in that car was the catalytic converter. I got this tax <laughs> receipt. It was better than any of the scrap metal guys were offering and better than the fly-by-night people who wanted me to send it to Georgia in one hour, you know, on the Kijiji. How much did, how much did you get? I was happy to get 649 in a tax receipt. You know what I mean? It was a 2003 old Accord. So I oh, just wow, wanted to say, bad. I like, yeah, well, because of the, the catalytic converter. What's yep. your take on the, the, the charity donation for these old cars? And it was no hassle, Greg. It was very smooth. And I guess I missed my chance when I got the van last year to trade in the vehicle. So you know what I mean? I was stuck with this thing. What's your take well, on the, the charity donation? My, my, my take is simple. Uh, you know, at the end of it all, if you can help a charity by donating an old clunker, by all means. The problem is that the, the whole notion of people associating the value of an old beat-up car based on emotions is where the problem lies. You see, you came to the understanding that your vehicle is is worthless, so you decided yeah. to donate it. But you know how many people feel that their car is worthless? You know how many uh, $200 cars come in on trade and people want two, three, four, five thousand $5,000 that we will never be able to find a common ground? And, and that's a big problem. So if you are using logic to do this and you accept that you have a car that is ab worth absolutely nothing, you donate it to a charity and you get a tax receipt, by all means. Because uh, when you trade in a vehicle that is worthless at a dealership, we sell them for scrap. You know, and the truth is that if anything older than 2007, 2000, even 2008 or 9, depending on the kilometers, we won't keep them. We won't keep them. We can't sell them. Uh, and uh, they go to the scrapyard. We get four, or $500 for them. And that's the end of that. We have no emotion attached to these things. Unfortunately, you have someone that has been driving this baby. This is my baby for the last 10 years. And no, you can't squash it and turn it into a little metal block. And uh, you get into this emotional discussions that have no relevance when it comes to the actual value of a vehicle after 10, 11, 12 years old. So I uh, I agree with you, man. Good for you. Good on you. You got some money. You got the tax receipt. I think that you made a good decision. Yeah, yeah, I sure did, buddy. And uh, keep up the good work on the air, man. One of, you're one of the only few honest guys in Toronto on the air about the real topics at hand. You know, not car topics. <laughs> I'm talking about the, the pandemic, if you will. Greg, keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. And uh, uh, Ken, let's go for a small break and uh, we'll be right back. I'm going to talk to you about what you need to look for on your bill of sale. This is very important, folks. The number is 416-870-1050. Call us. We still have a little time left. And we're back. If you're just tuning in, you missed out. But you don't have to miss out permanently. This is the Greg Carrasco Show, Canada's largest automotive radio show. And um, you can download it automatically. You subscribe to the podcast and it comes to your phone. As soon as it gets uploaded on iTunes, uh, you'll have it. Um, no commercials, no interruptions, just straight out conversation. And we do whatever we can to keep it real. We talk about real things with real people, with real opinions. I'm not a radio guy. I'm just a regular citizen trying to figure this 
absolute chaos that we're living in right now. And, uh, you know, every day we learn something new. And if I can make your life easier or better by providing you some good information, um, especially in my area of expertise or rather my areas of studies, which is the automotive industry, why not? But every time you call the show, I never know what's going what's to come out of people's mouth. And this is live. The number that you can call is 416-870-1050. And if you're calling from out of town, it's one 591 6876 and if you, can, if you want to talk to me personally you can come down at uh, oakville nissan in oakville infinity home of the no commission salespeople and uh, uh there are so many of you that are coming down to the store and uh, you are honoring me with allowing me to look after you you are hiring me to get the job done and uh, i have an amazing crew at those two stores there is an amazing people in parts and service and sales that are right there ready to look after you you know at some point this weekend we were cycling over a hundred customers a day in the service department is that crazy or what I mean, it's pretty good numbers, and as we've been stipulating on the show, it's tough to do those sorts of numbers these days and making sure that you have all the safety protocols, not just for the customers who are coming in, but for your employees who are working there as well. Obviously, their safety is paramount and ultimately your responsibility as well. So to do all this takes a ton of schematics and planning, and it's really incredible numbers considering all that. Well, the uh, the goal is to turn Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity into the service center for the town of Oakville. Uh, you know, we are going to make it unreasonable for people to go and service their vehicles anywhere else, regardless of the brand. Uh, we have 40 bays between the two stores um, that we are used to service you, to look after you in the quickest fastest, most efficient, and, and economically viable uh, way that we can possibly do it for you. So if you live in Oakville, you you have to come down to Oakville Nissan or Oakville Infinity, regardless of the brand, and we will service your vehicle. We have a giant fleet of vehicles that you can use that are all sanitized and de-Germanized, if that is even a word, um, that uh, to protect you from coming into the facility. We will provide you with transportation while you wait, and uh, we will look after you. So it's very important that you understand all the uh, services that are available to you. But we have one person here, uh, Robert from Toronto. He wants to talk to us about the pandemic. Rob, what's happening? How are you, Greg? Well, you know, we're trying to make a difference, man. And, and uh, I do it one show at the time, one phone call at the time, one car sale at the time. Do I get it right all the time? No, but I mean, I am fallible. I am human. So we, we're certainly trying to help. Uh, uh, what, what say you? I'm a first-time listener, and it's funny, I'm a business owner, and I think one of the best things that we can do for all of each other, all Canadians and all small business owners, first of all, is start passing information out that we understand is real. And I think we also have to look at the situation for what it is. Amazon's profits are up 100%, Walmart's up 80%, Lowe's is up 74%, Microsoft, Facebook, Apple, and Google have stock that is at their all-time high. Small businesses, 20%. 21% closed, uh, 38% hanging on by a, 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 hair, a hairnail right now. And we have to look at the big picture. What's, what's really going on for something that has a 99.9% survival rate? So when what? you start looking back into history, you have to realize that what the, the governments have wanted for years and years and years, and you're going to know this yourself, is they've wanted a cashless society. They've been trying to push this on us for years. In fact, they brainwashed our children that even carrying $10 in your pocket's nuts, you've got an Interact card. You'll see it every time you even go to Tim Hortons. Nobody buys a coffee even anymore for cash. But guess where people love dealing with cash? Small business. 
Yeah, that is true. And small business is the last bastion of people coming in going, what's the best you can do? How about if I pay you cash? cash. Yep. And guess what? This has been told to us for 20 years this was coming, and our own little potato in September told the United Nations, let's not let this pandemic go to waste, and let's in start in putting in the situations that we've been pushing for for years. And he listed climate change, which is, we could sit there and debate that for another four and a half hours with real numbers and figures. But the long story short is, what is inevitable is the downfall of cash. And that's where this is going. That's why it's being targeted towards small business. And that's why a guy that runs a barbecue shop can have a store named Costco open 600 feet from him with people lined up around the block and yet... He gets charged $300,000 because, nay, nay, we can't have someone speak up and go on the other side of things and actually possibly challenge the government. We need to squash them quickly. Robbie, I got to tell you, man, I uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing those points up. And uh, again, like I said at the beginning of the show, and I'm glad that, uh, that you came in and, and gave your opinion up in the air. Uh, we have to say that the opinions expressed on this show do not represent uh, the opinions of TSN. And, uh, you know, we, we have to, you know, keep it clear. The, the, the truth is this, that it is so impossible to come up with what the truth is. There is so much confusion. There is so much mixed messaging out there that is inevitable. You know, as, you know, many people, many segments of the population we are going to get into the speculative aspect of our opinions. And uh, I don't disagree that at a glance, that's what it appears to be, Rob. I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. You know, whether that is or what it appears to be, only time will tell. But these are very, very interesting times. And, and the one thing that gets me going is the fact that the big box store is allowed to open and the small little guy that is put all their life savings, their retirement money to open up their dream job and to have their own business are not allowed to pay their bills. They're not allowed to support their families. And, and this is an interesting thing for me because I have conflicting ideas. I have conflicting thoughts as to what the solution of all of this is. But, you know, Robbie, I really appreciate you calling the show and I thank you so much for sharing your, your thoughts on this. And I respect that and all opinions. Uh, you know, the best way to cure opinions and ideas is sunlight. We've said this before here, Ken, you expose them, you argue them, you fight them, and eventually the better idea is going to survive. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Darkness doesn't uh, abolish other darkness. Only light can do that. So we encourage our listeners to call in when we do have this show because we like hearing different perspectives from 10 o'clock to one o'clock and hearing different ideas. Uh, do I agree with Rob on the climate change point? Not necessarily. I think the data is pretty uh, pretty transparent on that one that it's uh, having a negative effect on the environment. But uh, as we've said before, and we'll continue to follow this over the coming months and track what's going on, there's just not one proper way to handle it that's going to make everybody happy. So we just have to do our best to support each other. If you have the opportunity, do support your local small businesses, whether that means, you know, going to the local place for local butcher or going to, you know, the local like brewery to get your beer rather than going to the LCBO, just doing all those little things to help. Folks, if you want to talk to me in person, 
you have to make it down to Oakville Nissan and Oakville Infinity. I have no life. I live there. And don't miss out on the Black Friday events. The specials are absolutely crazy. I love you all except one. Actually, two. I love you all except two. Come and see me at Oakville Nissan. There is something happening there at OakvilleNissan.com.